beer, uh, I love all beer, but Yingling is probably one of my favorite and easier to find than a lot of craft beers. Music, I'm pretty much always ready to listen to KRS-One or Dead Prez. Food, I'm a big fan of all breakfast food. Uh, like an avocado toast with an egg on top, I'm good with that. And eats the podcast. I am your host, Old Head Ed. You know what we do? We we have a guest join us. We talk about beer, we talk about music, and we talk about food. Again, as always, and I've said it before, uh, special guest always on deck, and this one's no different. Um, this guest that I have with me tonight, um, and shouts to Fat Tap Beer Bar and Eatery uh, for hosting us. We're out here in the outdoors. You can hear the vibes. You can feel the breeze. It's just one of those cool nights in, in South Florida, which we rarely get. But um, this gentleman I have with me is an artist, uh, a poet, a master of ceremonies, especially on them open mic nights. I will, I consider him, and he, I haven't hit him with it, but I think he's mural arts Bart Simpson, yeah. all right? And he's always keeping an eye out for micro blessings. I, I'm talking about none other than Renda, writer. <laughs> yes, sir. What's going on, my man? Uh, everything is good, man. Good to be here, Ed. You know, thanks for having me. On the podcast, it's just good to have a chance to sit and talk, you know? Dope. Yes, yes. And then you enjoy a beer, you talk a little bit, uh, you, hit, yeah. you hit all the important topics, beer, music, and food, and then that's it. We take off from there. Yep, yep. Dope. Um, now, I know I, I prefaced it a little earlier when we first linked up, and I said that I know we had an origin story. Yeah, yeah. All right, so, so let's get into the origin story. I usually like to hit the, um, the listener with the origin story as to what got me to this point. Um, I want to say... And my ears are going to be off, but I'm going to say circa. Because when you say circa, it kind of covers, yes. like, there's a room for error. Give or take. Yes, yeah. exactly. So I'm going to say circa 2008-2009, stage 84, mm-hmm. right off of 595 between Pine Island and uh, that would be Knob Hill, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, Knob Hill. Um, you hosted an open mic night. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And uh, I pull up. I know I know the people that... that that held down the spot. They owned the spot at the time. And I pull up for the open mic. And uh, and that's the first time I see you. Um, fast forward years down the line. Oh, I get up there and I do this this, 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 this kind of like spoken word slash rap thing. You know what I'm saying? Right, yeah. right. And, Were uh, you just Ed? Like, did you, you know, did you put your name? Ed. It okay. Ed. Yeah. No, that actually sounds yeah. familiar. I'm kind of remembering okay. this. But yeah, go ahead. So, uh, so that was my first, the first time I met Renda. Uh, you hit him with the Pulp Fiction bars. You had a piece. You had a piece that had to do with Pulp Fiction, where uh, you're talking about uh, uh, getting into a tussle with a, with the uh, with a, a gallon of orange juice, yes, yes. heavy on the pulp. Yeah. And, and so that <laughs> I don't know how often you drop that one on people. Um, and the other thing was, and I know you, you kind of hinted at it. You dropped. Uh, you paid homage to Butter Versus. Yes. And you did one of his rhymes. 
Yes, and that's interesting because I just met up with him 20 minutes ago. But yeah, back when I was hosting a lot of events, I was also doing spoken word. Okay. And uh, like spoken word got me into doing events. Okay. I was I was doing performing at open mics and okay. writing and recording uh, and memorizing my poetry for years starting in 2000. Oh, wow. And then starting in like 2006 is when I started hosting events. And, you know, after years of doing it, I realized like hosting is its own thing. Like a host is an artist. And a good host can incorporate aspects of maybe other genres of art or whatever. Mm-hmm. So uh, as a poet, naturally I did a lot of poetry while hosting. But I also had to be kind of like a comedian, you know. I had a lot of jokes, my own jokes, you gotcha. know. And, uh, and then I started doing some covers. Or not really some, I did two. There was only two songs ever that I did as a cover. I did this Butter Versus song. It was called Four Star, I believe. So it was a song that he did, and I covered it as a poem. And then I also did Roses by Kanye West. Okay. You remember that song? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, so I used to perform that. But other than that, it was all my own original stuff. But that's really cool that you remember all that, you know? <laughs> because, I mean, from 2006 until like 2014, I was hosting events like every single night. Mm, and mm. I'm not exaggerating. Like some people, you know, in this scene or wherever, you know, they host one thing for like a few months and it wasn't even successful. But all of a sudden they use that as like a credential. And gotcha. they know that nobody knows. Nobody could fact check them. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I was doing it. Like yeah. I was doing it five nights a week. Wow. Consistently for years. I was doing stuff in Palm Beach County, mm. Broward County, Miami-Dade County. I was hosting primarily open mic nights like for all arts, but then I met so many rappers and comedians and acoustic singers, songwriters, and people in subgenres, and then I started doing like specialized nights for them and okay. stuff. But yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I, I sometimes like to throw it back to that era because that was a good era, and that was, you know, now I'm doing what I love, and doing what I love is art, and I'm doing it, and I'm loving it, and I'm doing it as a career. Uh, but I guess this is kind of like my second time doing what I love as okay. a career because nice. back then I was hosting events and doing my poetry and paying my bills with it but I was working my ass off to get to that level you know I'd be out till 3 o'clock in the morning every single night mm. you know what I mean and all these endeavors always took a toll on my relationships and stuff you of know course. So there's always a trade off yeah. I don't regret anything but throwing it back, you know, starting this interview with the open mic days and knowing that that's how we met, that's that's pretty interesting. That's cool, you know. I like when things come full circle and when things have a bit of a history, you know, you can yes. tie it back to something older. Because not everything is as fresh and brand new as it may seem. Correct. You know, everything is rooted in something else. Mm. But yeah, those are the days. So, but now I'm an artist. There you go. You know? So let's get into that. I mean, let's not yeah. hesitate. I'm glad you dropped that in earlier. You said before getting into being an artist and now you're an artist. Yeah. Um, your style is a particular style. Yeah. Okay. It's it's uh, you're ill with the pen or the marker or the, but it's pretty much the type of style that most people would cause uh, connect with uh, being stuck in detention back in the days, where you sat there and you had to write. You had to yeah. write across the chalkboard repetition. constantly. Repetition. Yeah. How, totally. What what made you gravitate to that particular uh, style of uh, art? I mean, I guess I guess like the, when I break down, you know, my art, the type of art I do, why I do it, and how I started doing it. I guess it goes to just it goes back to like middle school really because in in elementary school middle school high school and college 
I was a nerd. Okay. Like, straight up nerd. I was just very into my studies. Mm. And I was very into getting good grades. Got you. And so I did. You know, and I, I got very good grades in high school and even college. And I was always in, like, advanced placement classes and the gifted program and all that kind of stuff. And I remember specifically two classes that I took in high school that really um, pushed me forward in this um, this idea of really sticking my identity closely to my handwriting. So, like, I took a biology class, and it, I had the laziest teacher in the whole school. Like, he did not teach anything at all. Basically, every day, he would say, like, we're going to have an open notes test, like, once a week on a chapter. So you would just go into class, and he would literally do nothing. He would sit there like a substitute teacher, and he would give us the hour to just take notes from the book. Wow. And we would take notes all week, and then we would take a test that was open notes. At the very end of it. Yeah, <laughs> and that was how every week went. But what I did was... I didn't even take notes. I literally wrote the entire chapter out. What? And that's what I did. I don't really know why. I know that doesn't sound like it makes much sense. But to me, I just looked at it like, okay, I don't really have to like learn anything or memorize anything or understand anything. If I write out the entire chapter, then when I take the test, I have the whole chapter yes. right there with the answers. Yeah. Now, also, I, I understood that doing that would sort of teach me things. I would remember stuff. And so oftentimes when I took the test, I really didn't have to refer to my notes gotcha. very much. I yeah. somehow did not not learn it, but I somehow did remember the the right answer. You retained you, know? you retained the information. Yeah. It's kinda like when people uh people say, you know, you go to bed and you're listening you're you're going to sleep and you have music playing in the background or yeah. or like let's say um a, a lot of people um they uh, coaches basketball coaches will say if you kind of mentally do drills or mentally uh, put yourself in, at the free throw line yeah and just kind of like go over mentally what the steps you take to shoot and, and you visualize yourself making the basket then oh yeah and that's the kind of stuff I knew back then and that's the kind of stuff that really comes into play now visualization is the mm. first step in reaching any kind of a goal but yeah so in that biology class I just wrote wrote the entire book and then in my AP history class it was a very similar thing he would give us like a packet of questions and we would have to answer this you know fill out our answers in the packet and then take a test on that chapter and I did pretty much the same thing but so in you know when I was taking notes in biology I was just writing notes on paper but then in my history class it was like this packet with these questions so then I had to fit my answer into the spot that was given okay so I started writing really 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 small and so all my writing, like all these biology notes and these history notes, they were like, like what they call a kite in prison. Okay. You know what I mean? Like, yes. and that's what it is. That I, I've never been to prison. Let me just say that. But I do understand fully what a kite is. Yes. And I'm very familiar with prison culture. My brother has been in and out of prison his whole mm. life. But um, so I'm just saying early on in my youth, there was a great deal of emphasis on writing. It's, I wasn't writing anything creative. I was just writing my school notes. Gotcha. But I had interesting, uh, unique handwriting, and people noticed it. And I just was really into like the beauty of writing a bunch of shit out, and then like looking at it, you yeah. know, being like, "Wow, look at that! I just wrote a whole chapter, and I fit it all into like nine lines," you know. Yeah. And it, so very early on, I just appreciated the aesthetic of my own handwriting. Okay, you know. Also to tie it into hip hop, so it's like my whole youth was really just spent 
in my room doing homework and listening to hip hop. Okay. So, you know, back then it was cassettes. Yeah. And yeah. I had like, I had a collection of literally about a thousand cassettes. All in alphabetical order. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> MC Light, MC Shan. Like it was, yeah. it was Africa Bambaataa at the top. Like it was like that. And it was yeah. just, you know, I was just very nerdy with everything I did. Yeah. And I guess I still am, but you know, you can't tell because I'm an adult. <laughs> yeah. But uh, so I just had this very nerdy approach and it was like, it was like, that was kind of like how my nights were spent. Like just sitting in my room taking really precise notes writing really 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 small mm. with hip-hop playing in the background gotcha. and you know i had these thousand cassettes and i would like dj kind of you know what i mean like every day kind of switch it out and and then i would take like the cassette you know the the, the cassette case yeah. and like put it on top of my boom box and make like a display of yeah, whatever yeah. i was currently Got listening you. to you know what i mean so but i guess so you know later in life like more recently like these past few years i kind of like consciously and unconsciously decided to just like tap into my youth mm. for answers you yeah. know and yeah. and i've done a lot of interviews and just discussions i have with people where i bring this up and i just think i just think that's a good approach to life like when you're filled with questions a lot of times the answers are in your youth you know, Very if true. you're wondering, like, well, what should I do about this or, or for a living or, or relationships, whatever, what should I do? You kind of should turn to the younger you for mm. for advice and for answers because that's that's the last time in your life that you were doing things without any concern for bills or for what people think of you or for, all, you know, any of these millions of things that yeah, yeah. attach themselves to you as you get older. Yeah. You know, so... Uh, you know, and that's why I say both subconsciously and consciously. Like, I kind of was consciously aware that I was doing that. Yeah. But it was also very subconscious. And I didn't realize until I was well into it that I was like, wow, I'm like doing what the younger me would be really proud of, you know? It's it's so crazy that you say that because that kind of brings me to the situation where a lot of times people are asked, especially people that become successful or, you know, find themselves in a, in a position in life where somebody interviews them and they always go what would you tell your younger self yeah what you're flexing is like what would your younger self tell you it's like the total opposite of that and, and I, actually and then this this concept like what i'm talking about now this concept of like the younger version of you and like mm -hmm. being in touch with your past and, and your inner youth mm -hmm. a lot of that came to me later in life through krs1 so okay. everything has everything is related to hip hop. Everything, yes. And it's, that's why that's this, we're here. That's yeah, yeah. That's here. why this is good. But all my conversations will always have mad hip hop references. But yep. I, um, I saw Karis One perform live like probably ten times. Yeah. Uh, but the first time I ever saw him live was in 2013. Okay. In Miami, and 2013 was kind of a pivotal year for me because 2012 and 13 was when I started to kind of segue out of hosting events and doing poetry. And I, I started, I really kind of became a new person. So I, I kind of was scaling back on hosting events, mm. scaling back on the poetry and, and seeing that that wasn't like making me money and stuff. And it kind of wasn't even making me that happy anymore. So, and that's when I started to get into visual art. I hadn't done a mural yet. I didn't do my first mural till 2014. Okay. But all throughout 2012 and 13, I was starting to do art and I was okay. starting to like see that my handwriting is art mm. and it was it was also in 2013 that i went to see krs perform in miami and like i said i've seen him perform like 10 times now and even though he's brilliant 
his shows are actually pretty predictable when you've seen him more than once. Okay. And so a lot of times when he's freestyling, he's kind of like not. <laughs> he, okay, yeah. He, he's very he's good. Going at, back to the, uh, he's going back to the the, 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 uh, the reliable bag of rhymes. Yeah, like. basically. And he keeps it kind of simple. He'll, he'll say like, you know, something, uh, and got shot. And by the way, peace to Scott LaRock. You know, and he's got, like. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's, always, he's, he's telegraphing saying, it a little bit. Yeah, so, you know, but um, none of that is to discredit him. What I'm saying is the first time I saw him was the first time I saw him. So I didn't yet know his whole deal. Yeah. And so he was freestyling quite a bit. And he did a freestyle where he was talking about this idea of, like, time travel, so to speak. Like, time travel in the mind. Gotcha. And he was talking about, like... He was on stage saying, like, right now it's 3 in the morning and I'm back at my hotel. But you think I'm on stage rapping right now. You know what I mean? And he was doing this whole, like, time travel thing yeah. with his freestyle. And I'm sure you can find that on YouTube because this is live. But like I said, this, this is kind of his set. Got so you. he's done this particular freestyle style before. Yes. And I think you can find it on YouTube probably from that night uh, and others. But... So KRS has just always been a huge influence. Like, you know, I'm talking about when I saw him in 2013 and then, of course, my whole youth growing up listening to him yeah. and then reading the inside of his cassettes where he would say, peace, KRS-One, metaphysician. Mm, yeah, yeah. And I was always yeah. like, what is a metaphysician? But, you know, as a kid, you know, I didn't have Google. You know, that, was, was, yeah, that didn't exist. None of that. And it wasn't in the Encyclopedia Britannica either. Yes. Like, you weren't going to find metaphysician in there. No. And so, you know, it wasn't until, like, later in life that's what I'm saying. So many things in my life, like, just circle back. And 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 this is true of everyone. I'm not saying I'm something special. Yeah. I'm just saying that I'm tapped into this idea. You're well aware of what happened back then. Yeah. Like, you, you can recall that and then bring it into the future and then tie it together. Yes. And I'm aware of my ability to constantly do that in, in order to pick myself up or to motivate myself or whatever I may need. A lot of times my answers are in the past or in the future. And it's like you can visit those periods of time mm. in your mind. Yes. You know, and so, uh, like, in terms of metaphysics, you know, meta means above and beyond. It's the it's the metaphysics. It's, yeah. it's the science of what is happening above and beyond our physical reality. Yeah. You know, and I always loved KRS-One's music, and I always was intrigued by him saying metaphysics and metaphysician, but it wasn't until much later that I discovered what that means. Yeah. And then I got really into Wayne Dyer and Abraham Hicks and Bashar and Eckhart Tolle and um, just all these great minds, these different authors and speakers, and a lot of them are touching on metaphysics. And then I saw like the movie What the Bleep Do We Know and different movies okay. like that, that um, I Heart Huckabees, these different movies that go real deep into metaphysics and um, the the Law of Attraction, the movie The Secret, and the book. Gotcha. And I was like, wow, so this is kind of the type of stuff that I was lightly introduced to via KRS-One. Yeah. But, yeah, so anyways, there's a big KRS-One influence. And then I guess another thing I, sh I should say about him while I'm on this topic is, yeah. you know, he, he put out a song called World, World Peace. Peace. Back in 1989, it was on the Blueprint of Hip Hop album. Okay. You know, it's a BDP yeah. album, and it was just a song called World Peace. It wasn't a huge hit; it was just like a track. But one day in 2016, you know, 30 something years later, mm -hmm. I just woke up with that song in my head, and in, so, like I mentioned, I started doing murals in 2014. So at the end of 2014, I did my first mural. That was during Art Basel, mm. and that was in Winwood. 
So then 2015, I hit the ground running and I did a lot of murals in 2015. And I started, I always wanted to travel and I always wanted to travel with some kind of purpose and meaning. So around 2015, I'm like, okay, I've done murals all over Miami and Fort Lauderdale. How can I now travel as an artist? So yeah. I spent like the year marinating on, on how I can make this a reality. And then in 2016, that song popped in my head and then it just clicked. I was like, I'll do murals that say world peace. Yeah. And I can do them all over the world. You know, <laughs> and it, it just made so much yeah. sense to me. And it was just like the ultimate epiphany of a moment. Wow. And again, it came from Karis One. It came from hip hop. It came from my childhood. You know, it just it came from paying attention to life and like seeing the patterns mm. and just knowing what resonates with you, like what makes you feel good. Yeah. Essentially, you know. Yeah. People complicate life, but at the end of the day, just do what you enjoy. Do what makes you feel good. Pay attention to your feelings almost more than your thoughts because your mm. thoughts can run away from you your thoughts can be influenced by shit your thoughts can be wrong your thoughts yes. are have all sorts of room for being flawed yes but your feelings it's feeling it's undeniable like, yeah it's you a feel feeling, a certain bro. way because you feel something you when know you feel anxious or you feel good you feel excited you feel restless whatever it may be yeah you gotta listen to your feelings and that's what a lot of these great minds talk about too like i mentioned abraham hicks yeah and this guy named bashar and Eckhart Tolle, these are people that talk about your feelings. Or uh, what's the other one? Um, Deepak Chopra. Okay. You know, and he discusses a lot about your feelings and metaphysics, but he's also like um, a trained doctor in Western yeah. medicine. Yeah, yeah. So he takes a lot of these abstract concepts, but then ties them to actual biology. So he talks a lot about physiology. Yeah. So how, how your brain and your thoughts are influencing your actual physical health. Yeah. Negative thoughts can make you sick. Positive Indeed. thoughts can Indeed. improve your health. Yeah. You know, real simple. But so, yeah, you know, so anyway, so I started doing the World Peace Murals in 2016. Okay. Now I've done 80 of them. Wow. 80. Wow. That's a lot of lot of territory to cover. Right? <laughs> That's and no so joke. I've done like probably about 300 murals altogether. Murals. Yeah. But World Peace Murals, 80 of them. 80 exactly. Of and it was all because of that song. And then, like I said, I've uh, seen Karas perform many times and met him many times. And one time when I met him, I I told them about all this. Okay. I gave them a flyer. I had a flyer for the World Peace Mural Tour, and I had pictures of all these murals. Yeah. And, I and you know, it was like a crazy setting. It was like at a concert. Yeah, of course. Like all these people around us. So I got his attention for like one second. I'm like, yo, bro, let me give you this. I give him a flyer. He looks right at it. His eyes open all big. And I'm like, bro, you influenced this. Your song, World Peace, is the reason I do these murals all over the world. And I was like, and I did one in the South Bronx, and I wrote, rest in peace, Scott LaRock, on the wall. And he was like, whoa, and he was just loving it. And he's like, where is this one? And he points at the one on the flyer, and I'm like, that was in L.A. He's like, I'm going to be in L.A. next month. I'll check it out. I mean, Yo. I don't think he ever did yeah, or whatever. Yeah, but, but at least. But it was just cool to get his ear for a minute, and I met him a few times after that. And I'm not I'm not uh, very starstruck, but I appreciate meeting people that I look up to. Yeah. Because he's not just a star to me. He's a teacher. He's the right. teacher, he's the teacher, you know? Yes. So he master. influenced me. So, like, meeting him is just the same as, like, going back and meeting one of my college professors and saying, hey, I just want to thank you for, you know, yes. teaching me. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? And this is where I'm at now. Yeah. This is like, and I yeah. owe a lot of it to you. Wow. So, but yeah, so just, you know, hip hop is at the root of everything I do, mm. you know, everything. That's a beautiful thing, man, because I, I often say this to people that uh, hip hop was supposed to be a fad, like that it was dismissed a lot. Uh, early on, it wasn't allowed to be played in places. And I think that's something that today's youth doesn't understand, that hip hop is readily available at their fingertips. 
And then, but you got to remember, they, they don't know it, but there was a time where it's like, the authorities would shut shit down yeah. if they rolled up and you were playing hip-hop. Plus, I mean, you know, initially it was, you know, a bit underground and maybe seen as a fad, and it didn't really start to, like, gain respect until it started to morph a bit. You know, mm. like, as soon as Run DMC worked yes. with Aerosmith, yeah. boom, now it's like, okay, yeah, hip-hop, we'll pay attention to it. But there was, like, plenty of hip-hop going on before... Yeah, uh, raising hell and yeah, walk no, this way. Definitely. But that opened it up, you know, for white people basically. And then like the Beastie Boys with them being white and stuff. But yeah. I'm glad that it, you know, has lasted this long and it's morphed in all the ways it has and yes. grown and changed. And some aspects of the way that the ways in which it's changed, I don't like, but that's okay because I don't have to like at all. Exactly. And it's not all of it is made for you. Yeah. That's something that I've learned through years too. I mean, I was a diehard. And, and everybody who listens to the podcast know old head Ed, the reason I'm an old head is because there's a, I'm a diehard early 90s to mid 90s fan yeah not to say that there's there isn't stuff in the 2000s from 2000 to 2010 that I don't dig there's yeah. definitely a lot of material there and even now um, there's stuff that I gravitate to but I I learned eventually that not everything is for me. Yeah, it's not. It's not. It's not made with me in mind, and that's quite okay. Totally. You know what I'm saying? So I. I and it's, it's a beautiful thing that you mentioned hip hop because even when I have guests that don't are not familiar with hip hop, really, you always. I always find a way when they're telling me about the music that they like. I always find a way, or not even find a way. It's just so simple. There's yeah. already a, a connection always, to the way yeah. hip hop is, because hip hop has, has such a, a large effect on everything. I mean. World Peace is written in 80 different lo- 80 different locations. Now, World Peace is not a hip hop concept, but the the the, the seed for that. Yeah. Came and hip-hop. actually, like for me, it is. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, well, yeah, World Peace is just World Peace. Yeah. But I'm saying is that my exposure to that verbiage, the concept of World Peace, came through KRS One. Gotcha. And and just rappers saying peace. You know, yes. back in the 80s and 90s, that yeah. was the thing. You always said peace when you finished yep. your verse, or you mm-hmm. finished your song. You know, and like I remember when I. I went to college I joined this business fraternity so it was kind of like a fraternity like a social fraternity but it had like elements of like an honor society too okay. and it was actually co-ed so it was guys and girls right but so we were always and this was in the early days of email this was 2000 <laughs> okay, so okay. I had like just gotten a, a hotmail account you know what I mean and like all of us were new to email but we were using it heavily in the fraternity and it was a professional business fraternity so Everything we did was about like grooming us for the professional world. So like, you know, speaking eloquently and speaking like in a business way. And and we did resume workshops and all this kind of stuff. But I noticed that everyone, when they sent out their emails, they would sign it fraternally yours, comma, and then like their name. Okay. And right off the rip, I just signed all my emails, peace, Renda. There you go. And nobody ever even gave me slack for it. It was not professional. It was not in keeping with what the entire rest of the fraternity was doing. Yeah. But that was just my thing. I was like, Pete, you know, I had never written an email in my life. You yeah. know what I mean? And it's not like I was writing a lot of letters before that either. But yeah. so the first time I type an email and I go to sign off, the hip hop in me just kicks in. I'm like, peace, render. You yeah. Know what I mean? Yeah. And you can't get mad at peace. Like, if somebody were to come to you and be like, you can't put that, like, bro, it's peace. Like, exactly. it's what we all strive for. We're all looking for that moment, you know, extended peace. You yes. know what I'm saying? Harmony. Peace in whatever form, whether it's world peace you're going after mm-hmm. or just personal peace, you know, a sense of personal peace in your yeah. world. 
But yeah, so you know, uh, hip hop is just at the root of everything. It influenced the way I talk, the way I conduct myself, there's my interests and everything. And, and then it's because of hip hop that I got into James Brown and Bob Marley and yes. all these other people and everyone that a hip hop person has uh, sampled or whatever, yeah. you know. Uh, everything. I mean, when I was a kid, I was in, I was reading the Black Panther Manifesto. Wow. wow. I was I like some of my favorite cats growing up were the the real conscious types. Yeah. Poor Righteous Teachers. Oh. Okay. Karis One, X Clan. Those were like some of my favorites. Def Jeff. Mm. Def Jeff. I speak to now. Really? That's, yeah. And that's what I'm yeah. crazy. <laughs> I speak to a lot of these people, and that and that's what I'm saying. It's like. Just when you talk about life in general, I don't know if this is necessarily going to work for everyone, but what mm. I've noticed in my life is okay. that, like I said, the answers are in the youth. And gotcha. so I go back to my youth for answers, for guidance, for for patterns, you know, all mm. that. And and so the fact that now I speak on the phone with Def Jeff and I meet KRS-One and I know and I'm friends with Hakeem from Channel Live. Yeah. <laughs> It makes sense because if you just look at like energy and your investment of energy, it's like, okay, if I spent thousands and thousands of hours listening to these dudes over and over, mm -hmm. that energy has got to like return somehow, you know, it's got to like uh, cycle around. Mm. So I just feel like everything I'm doing now as an adult just really makes sense. Like, oh, okay, it kind of sounds weird or funny. It's kind of like a cool story or it's inspiring or you could laugh at it. But then I also, I'm like, it's also just plain logical, you yes. know, like if yeah, I yeah. spent years putting all my energy into these people, that energy is going to come back somehow and now... But the only reason it is coming back is because I tapped into like my true self, yeah. my authentic self. Now, if you take another, you take someone else that's my exact age, that was born the same year, that grew up listening to all the same hip hop I did and was obsessed with it, right? And then maybe they graduated college and they became an accountant and then they got into a relationship they weren't so happy about. And now they're 42 like me, but they got like a huge stomach ulcer and they've lost a bunch of their hair and they're not getting along with their wife and their kids don't appreciate them. It's because they lost track along the way. Somewhere along the way, they detach from yeah. like who their true self is. And maybe they go listen in hip hop but like as an escape you know like they're going back to their youth but like man I should have you know what I mean and then it gets them on all these I should have type things whereas with me I listen to hip hop and I'm like I'm glad I did Yeah, I'm glad I did everything that I did yeah. from my youth up until now yeah. and the hip hop is what reminds me that I've stayed on the right path and it, you know it just taught me a lot about like uh, like personal authenticity mm. just staying your authentic true self yeah. you know at all costs when I graduated college so I was in this professional business fraternity. So ideally, everyone in this frat was going to go graduate and make lots of money, you know. And all my contemporaries, all my, you know, fellow students that were in the frat did just that. They all got jobs starting at like 60, 70, 80 grand. I moved to New York and took an unpaid internship with Columbia Records. Wow. So my first job out of college paid zero dollars. Yeah. And I graduated with a three. You know, and here I am telling you, my whole youth is being a nerd. You yeah. know, get, get your good grades. And then what <laughs> did it add up to? An unpaid job. Yeah. But that's what I'm saying is I listen, I was like, I'm going to just listen to my inner voice. You know, I'm going to listen to, I'm going to listen to the cliche, which is do what you love, you know? Yeah. And so back then it, it did kind of sound cliche in a way. I wasn't totally ready for it. Mm. I was a kid, but I decided to listen to it anyway. And I was like, okay, they always say, do what you love. What do I love? 
hip hop. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm like, but I don't want to be a rapper. So what else is there in hip hop? I'm like, well, I know a lot about it. Like I'm nerdy with like knowing the facts and I've got good grades so I could probably work in the industry. But then I realized there's, a, re there's a reason why they say uh, industry rule number 4080. Mm -hmm. Record co recording company people are shady. So it's. Yeah. Oh, and I knew that too. Like yeah. that lyric came yeah. out when I was in high school and stuff. So I kn that's the thing is, I knew that. I knew that it probably wasn't such a good decision. Mm. But I decided to just do it anyway. Gotcha. You know, they, they do it anyway type. So, and you're interning but, at Columbia. So Records. yeah, I just was like. I what, year, wait, wait, what year was this? What this was 2000. 2000. So okay. I graduated college in 2000. I moved right to New York and I interned with Columbia Records. I also interviewed with Rough Riders. Wow. I didn't even get the job though, but when I was a senior in in college, I sent my resume to Rough Riders. But I knew. That's what I'm saying. It's like I knew. Okay, the fact that I have good grades doesn't mean shit in the mm, record industry. No, no. And even the fact that I know my hip hop, that doesn't even mean shit. Yeah. What? The way the record industry works is you gotta like know people, you gotta intern, you gotta Correct. you gotta work for free, you gotta kiss ass, you gotta do all sorts of unconventional shit. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, well, I want to send my resume to Rough Riders, but like, why would they even read it? You know, why would they read a resume from a dude in Florida? So what I did was I went and got a refrigerator box, a huge cardboard box that a refrigerator comes in. Okay. And I printed out three copies of my resume and typed up three cover letters addressed to the three CEOs of Rough Riders. Wow. Which was Joaquin Dean, yes. Darren Dean, and Siobhan Dean. Okay. The three brothers and sisters, yeah. they started the label and signed DMX and everything. But uh, so I put three cover letters, three resumes in a manila folder. I taped the manila folder to the inside of the refrigerator box. Then I bought some <laughs> weights, like plates, like, you know, to yeah. work out. Yeah. I got two and a half pound weights that are like this big. Yeah. I bought four of them and I taped them to the inside, all four inside walls of the box. So that the box would have some weight, okay. so it wouldn't seem so uh, skeptic, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, suspect. So I taped waste to the inside of it, and then it was also kind of evenly distributed. So you'd pick it up, and you would think there's something in there. Yes. But it was just four two and a half pound weights and some resumes. <laughs> and then I shipped it from my school. I shipped it to to Rough Riders to their address in Manhattan. And I think it was, man, I don't remember. I know it was really expensive to ship. I can I imagine. It. <laughs> I think it might have been like $400. I think wow. it was something like 400 wow. bucks. And I shipped it, and then Siobhan Dean called me. Called me up. And I'm a senior in college. I'm in my little, like, college apartment with my two roommates, probably yeah. hungover. The phone rings, and I go to pick up the phone. And when I go to pick up the phone, I reach over the source. I had the source magazine. <laughs> And it was the Power 30. Yeah. I don't know if you remember that. Yeah, yeah. So every year they did the Power 30 where they listed the 30 most powerful people in Influential, yeah. And she was in it. She was like number three. It was like her and her brothers. Yeah, yeah. We're like number three. And I just remember like that issue of the source was right there and there was my phone ringing and it was Siobhan Dean. But she was so like business. She didn't mention anything about the box. She just yeah, yeah. was kind of like, we received your resume. We'd like to bring you in for an interview. You know? And I was like, all right. So then I flew up there and I went, I had an interview. And they were interviewing me to be like an administrative assistant in like the touring division. So I would have been the assistant to the person that was like booking all the hotels and stuff. Gotcha. So it wouldn't have been fun or exciting. Yeah. But I was definitely qualified. Yeah. But I didn't get it. But I, then I did get this unpaid internship at Columbia Records, and I did the internship for that whole summer, and then I ended up getting a paid job 
uh, as an administrative assistant at J Records. And okay. J Records was Clive Davis's label. Got you. Clive Davis discovered the Rolling Stones. He discovered Janis Joplin, Luther Vandross, all these big, big cats. Mm -hmm. He started Arista Records. Oh, got you. LaFace. I think LaFace was the division of Arista. Yeah. So they kind of worked under Clive, I guess. And then, you know, whatever. Then everything changed. And that's what was interesting is I was getting into the industry around the time everything was changing. So I did the, I did the internship with Columbia. Then I got a paid position at J Records. And I was administrative assistant in urban publicity. So my boss was this guy named Biff Warren. And he was a publicist. And... Busta Rhymes was our main client. Wow. And um, Busta was on J Records. He had just dropped an album, but I forgot which one it was. Uh, it was like his third or fourth album. Okay. But, um, and I actually, I remember I brought Busta Rhymes' platinum record down to his car for him. <laughs> I rode in the yeah. elevator, just me and Busta, yeah. and I'm holding his record. <laughs> and I, you know, he came to Frame it all. Just yeah, there. all framed up, and I brought it down to his car. But, you know, we didn't talk or nothing. Yeah. But, um, so, yeah, so I did the uh, administrative assistant work at J Records and publicity. And then I also was an administrative assistant at Arista Records in international marketing. Okay. But none of that was fun or cool, and none of it paid well at all. And uh, so I started to see, like, okay, I gave it a try, and I don't really like it. You know, like, I gotcha. did listen you to my it heart. Due. Yeah, I was yeah. like, I listened to my heart. I did the whole do what you love thing. Uh now I'm working in an industry and I'm realizing I don't love the industry, I just love the music. Gotcha. And getting working in the industry is very different than loving and appreciating the music and the culture. Yeah. You know, and it kind of taints your vision of it. Mm. Like I remember I went to Tommy Boy like to try and get a job. And I remember like the receptionist was kind of rude to me. And then like from then on I was like I listened to De La Soul or someone on Tommy Boy and then I would like conjure up Oh, I don't like Tommy Boy. They were rude to me, you know. And yeah. then I was like, "This isn't. I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to take my passion for hip hop and spoil it, you know, by trying to work in the industry." Plus, this was 2000 when the whole industry started to crumble. This was Napster. Yeah, Napster era. Yeah. So, you know, I was in college '96 to 2000, and my whole college experience was everyone was on Napster. Every every party you went to, every college dorm you visited, everybody had was Napster on the strength of Napster. Or, yeah, or LimeWire, and yeah, they, yeah. and there were parties were done on Napster. Everything, everybody was burning CDs, and so that was the death of the record industry. But I actually went into the as industry. we knew it, as we knew it, yeah, because the redefinition of it. Correct. So. But, you know, and, and so that, but moral of the story is you should always do what you love and follow your inklings. And if you eventually find out that you were wrong, that is okay. Mm. Because that will probably lead you to something yep. else that you will be even more right about. Yeah. You know what yep. I mean? And so since those jobs weren't really cutting it and the industry was crumbling and here I am trying to get an actual paid position at one of these labels while they're all laying people off. Yeah. And I'm like in the industry, so I'm reading these trade magazines, these industry insider magazines, and this was like kind of before the proliferation of the internet. Yeah. So the certain information was only in certain areas, and only certain people had access yeah, to it. True. And the whole industry was changing, and, and labels were folding, and everything was changing while I'm trying to like get in it. And I'm like realizing I want to get out, you know. But so then I started. For money, I started promoting comedy clubs. And so I was like a street promoter. And okay. so I worked for two different comedy clubs selling tickets on the street. Okay. And that is where I gained like 
confidence and like the ability to speak to people and the ability to be like quick-witted and on my feet and sell and like use my personality and stuff and so that's when I started like become a man you know what I mean okay, like okay. up until then I was good at school and, and getting yeah. good grades and, and making my resume look good but I was still being very experienced as like a human like yeah. what it's like to be a man but now I'm on the street and it's like you gotta sell these tickets or you don't eat you know mm, and you, you gotta yeah. get people to buy these yeah. tickets and so then I, I Started to learn how to like talk to girls, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. I wasn't very approached experienced with girls before that either. But then I got good, like, because I just stand on the street and walk up to only hot chicks, like super hot like, models. I would stand by all the modeling agencies and go up to the hottest chicks that were in magazines and be like, Hey, what's up? You like comedy clubs? Like, utmost confidence, and a lot of times get their number and go out with them and stuff too. <laughs> so, you know, those years it's kind of fun to talk about because those wow. were the years that. I shifted my uh, my goals a bit, mm. and I kind of became a man, and I became a New Yorker, you know, and a lot of things just shifted in the right direction. Yeah. But yeah. it might have been a little painful at first or whatever, but again, that, you but know. But anything worth it, it yeah. has its trials and tribulations. No pain, no gain. Exactly. You know? So, yeah, but. No, that's dope. That's you know, and, dope. Then, and then all those years being on the street, selling the comedy tickets, and developing my personality and becoming more outgoing. Then I discovered all these open mics around Manhattan and I started to visit them. And then I kind of did have a little period where I wanted to be a rapper. So I was okay. kind of like, okay, working in the industry was not my thing. But since I worked in it, I understood how they accept demos and stuff like that. So now, yeah. I, now I all of a sudden felt like I had to be a rapper because I felt like I got the inside scoop and I know people at labels. All I got to do is record a demo and I can get it to them and I can get signed. Yeah. And honestly, I, so I had a little period where I wanted to be a rapper and I wanted to get signed. But as I recorded and as I realized how much work I had to do, like to get better at rapping, and I started, I started realizing, well, this ain't really me either. But then I discovered poetry, so I hit all these open mics and I discovered the whole spoken word scene, which was blowing up big. And so then I kind of became a poet, and I became the kind of poet that is obviously influenced by hip hop. Yeah. But I wasn't trying to rap. And so I was able to really authentically be me. Like, I'm white. I'm not trying to be black. Yeah. I'm not trying to rap. I'm a, I'm a poet, and I'm influenced by hip-hop. So I'll spit a long-ass poem that has a lot of rhyming, you know, elements. Yeah. yeah. But it's me. A hundred percent. Yeah. And yeah. so, you know, that's, that's what I'm saying. To kind of wrap up that chapter of my life, that's the point. Like, you got to always go after what you want and what, what makes you feel good. And then you also got to be understanding that those things might change. Correct. As you go. Correct. And you gotta be comfortable with the change. It's true. It's true. You be accepting because ultimately that change gets you. It might not seem it at the moment, but that change gets you to where you need to be going eventually in the yeah. long end. You mentioned chapter. Let's wrap up this chapter. We got three more chapters to go. That's the brews, the beats, and the eats. Yes. Uh, real quick, Renda, let them know where they could find you, where they could maybe. Um, get you to come out and paint something somewhere uh how do they reach out to you well i mean digitally i'm extremely easy to find like instagram my instagram is render writer i'm also on facebook and twitter and you know i also have renderwriter.com but um just google me i'm very easy to find i'm on instagram all day and um i'm responsive if you hit me up with a worthwhile message you know i'll i'll respond but uh, I'm in Miami a lot, but I travel year round. I mean, I live out of my van. I don't have a home base. I just stay on the road. So I've only been in Miami now for the last few days, okay. you know, at this time, but I've been on the road consistently since the beginning of COVID. 
Yeah, yeah. I was out in Arizona and California and everywhere, but yeah, I'm pretty easy to reach. And I got a few events coming up in Miami. I'm not sure when this is gonna air, but I got something on November 14th, okay. November 11th, November 7th, and November 8th in St. Petersburg. Nice. So I got a lot going on. You got things going on. Yeah. My peoples, you just heard the first chapter, <laughs> and and that was a good amount. I mean, we, we got to know Renda extensively uh, from the beginnings to where he's at now, where you'll find him in the next coming weeks. Um, y'all stay tuned, there's still more to come. We got to talk beer, music, and food. Y'all yeah. know the rundown. Y'all know the deal. Bruce Beats and Eats, the podcast. Yeah. Big beer, little beer, big beer, little beer, big beer, little beer. Beer, 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 beer. Big beer, little beer, big beer, little beer, big beer, little beer. Beer, 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 beer. Bruce Beats and Eats, the podcast. And we have reached the bruise section, the bruise segment, the bruise portion of the podcast. This is where... Apparently myself and my guest this time around. Um, typically, I don't go full flight <laughs> alongside, but I'll sample, I'll sip here and there. But me and Rent about to get busy with these beers. Again, shouts to Fat Tap, you know what I'm saying, out in Oakland Park. Come yes. check them out. Uh, we both have a flight of beers. They're, they're identical in styles and, 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 and the beers that were selected. And um, this is, yeah, this is where I usually uh, pour up four beers for my guest this time around. Fat Tap poured up the four beers. And uh, we go through them, you know, give us our, give them their thoughts on them, and at the end we'll rank them. But in between, of course, we'll talk early beer memories, we'll talk about what you're drinking nowadays, go-to beers, so on and so forth. So, without a hesitation, let's get into this first beer. The first beer is from Copper Point Brewing. It's the apple of my eye. It's an American amber. It clocks in at a 5%. Brenda, let's give this a go. Yes, apple of my eye. You can definitely taste the apple. Yes. <laughs> you yes. Can smell it before you even taste it. It's like an apple pie in a glass. It is. It, it's it's very. It has more of an apple tea taste. Like typically, everybody's familiar with ciders, hard ciders, apple ciders. Yeah. But they don't taste like apple cider itself. It's just kind of like a a, a carbonated beverage that has a fruit taste to it. But this actually tastes like brewed. Like cinnamon apple. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can taste the cinnamon too. Yeah. Like this, this is a good apple. You know, because you could do a lot of these flavored beers. You could do them wrong. You know. Yes. This is not done wrong. This is pretty good. Yeah. It has its own identity. I mean, yeah. I feel like it does have its own. It's 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 different. It separate it separates itself from, you know, uh, the run of the mills, the Smith, not uh, what is it, uh. The woodchucks, yeah. apple cider, angry the, the reds, angry orchard, yeah, yeah. definitely interesting. Um, this is where I typically ask my guests uh, to share an early beer memory, perhaps the first time you had one, uh, okay. your first experience with a beer. Uh, I was definitely a late bloomer, like like I said, I was very much a nerd mm. in high school. So the first time I ever had a drink at all was at my senior prom. Okay. So it was like the end of high school. <laughs> Got you. And, uh... Which is, there were still some rules being broken there because yeah. you're not quite in the clear yet to drink. Totally. Legally, yeah, it was still, like, <laughs> illegal. But, um, but you know, I was definitely, like, one of the last of my crew and one of the last of my whole high school, really. Okay. You know, most people are drinking at 15, 16, whatever. <laughs> I was basically almost 18. So it wasn't that late. But, uh, so my first time drinking was senior prom. But I don't really remember it. I mean, I guess that's kind of the point, right? <laughs> but, uh... <laughs> 
I don't remember any like details, but I just that would be my that would what I would say about my earliest memory is that it it wasn't until senior prom it was kind of late, you know, as far as uh, what my peers were doing. Yeah, yeah. It's it's (laughs) the thing of the thing about it not being remembered so well is like you said. I I I think you caught the effect of it. Like yeah, yeah, it worked. Yeah. You, you, you set out you did what you set out to do which was drink some beers now you, you probably didn't know that it was going to have that effect on you but if you drink enough beers early on you just forget about what happened yeah. either that or you, you'll you never go back to that what I've learned from doing this podcast and talking to people is that a lot of them will say their first beer they'll never have again because the experience was just so like visceral like their, their yeah. reaction to it was like oh never again yeah. so they'll say nah yeah this beer I had this beer first and that's the one to this day that I cannot go back and drink yeah so it, it goes hand in hand definitely definitely and that was here in South Florida yeah okay okay yeah that was probably at like some hotel in Fort Lauderdale I guess <laughs> I don't really remember I mean yes. One of the Gettys, apparently. Gettys was something that they were... I don't know. I think... Well, you're closer to my age, so I don't know if we were using the terminology Getty at that point. What's I, a Getty? It's a get-together. Oh, okay. So that's what, <laughs> that's what, they, that's what they would call it for short. Um, shouts to the homeboys, the people that put me on. Shouts to Orion, uh, WDDH Radio. Yeah, he put me on to that uh, when, when he came on the show. He's like, yeah, Gettys. And he kept mentioning Gettys, and I was like, okay, bro, what's a Getty? <laughs> <laughs> And then I always blame it on the listener. I'm like, I, I do that. I'll go, uh, so just so that the listener is, yeah, yeah, is in yeah. tune with what we're discussing. What is a Getty? It right. kind of hides my lack of knowledge. But it's like, yeah. I'm giving, I'm giving like podcast insight here. Well, yeah. <laughs> dope, dope. Uh, you ready to get into the second beer? Yeah. All right. So this second beer is from Lost City Brewing. It's their lemongrass. It is a Belgian blonde. Which is interesting to me because I don't think I've ever had a Belgian blonde. I've had a Belgian or a blonde. Yeah. I don't know if you've had one before. I don't think so. Okay. And this one's clocks in at a 6.4% and it's brewed in North Miami, which is technically home team for me. I grew up in North Miami Beach, North Miami. So let's give this one a shot and see what we think. The lemongrass from Lost City. Cheers. What do you think? It's not bad, but it's a little bit weird. Okay. It's not bad. It does the trick. It's beer. But it's got, I guess, like a bitter aftertaste, kind of. Okay. But it's yeah. not bad. It's an acquired taste. It it kind of tastes lemongrassy. You know, you get yeah. it after you sip a few. Yeah. All right. Do you usually mess around? <laughs> do, you, do you usually mess with Belgians? Yeah, I like okay. Belgians. Belgians, yeah. I was exposed to Belgians like in Manhattan. There was a Belgian beer bar that I used to go to a lot okay. when I was doing the comedy club promotions. Yeah, yeah. A lot of me and my coworkers would go to this Belgian beer bar. Okay. And this was actually way before the craft beer revolution. Yeah. You know, so this was back when there was only like Bud and Bud Light. Uh, and then if you wanted something real special, you had to go to a special place like in New York City, a Belgian beer bar. Yeah. You know, they didn't have stuff like that anywhere. Very niche. Yeah. But they had like Belgian fries, like waffle fries, that really? was their thing. And then Belgian beers. Wow. So that was my first exposure to anything like non-corporate yeah. beer. Well, the, the monks that brew these Belgian beers, I mean, it started off with monks, the Belgian beers. So they've been around for years, you know. Yeah. And so I, but that's wild to know that, like you said, even before the, this, the whole scene popped off, this was one of the spot. this is one of the beers that they 
that somebody decided to, to, to get behind to introduce to everybody yeah. the Belgians. That's amazing. That's amazing. Um, but yeah, that's a decent beer. I think I like the apple one a little better. So far, the apples out of these two, but that's a decent beer. Okay. I wouldn't turn that down. Okay. Dope, dope. Uh, what are you drinking nowadays? Um, really just whatever's around. I mean, to be, <laughs> to be really honest, I'm trying to kind of cut back on my drinking period. I applaud that. Like, no matter what kind of beer it is, it's just, I'm 42 and I've been drinking since I was, you know, like I said, almost 18. Yeah. I kind of get the point, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yes, yes. I, I still like to drink as a social thing, and, and I love how breweries and stuff have become like this new, you know, socialization place, and Winwood is all about the breweries and yeah. the art, yeah. you know, and I love Both Fat Tap, I love the owner, I did a mural here, but really, like, at the core... I would be happy, like, not even drinking at all for, like, six months. You know what I mean? Like, that is not that I have a drinking problem, like, I'm an alcoholic, and not to poke fun at that, but sometimes I do humorously state that I don't have a drinking problem, but sometimes I have a problem when I drink. drink. You know what I mean? Like, because I don't have a drinking problem. Like, I don't have alcoholic traits at right. all. But I can point to many problems that I've had and then ask myself, was I drunk that night? And the answer is and the answer is usually yes. Yeah. So, you know what I mean? I got to be really, really, really honest with myself. Oh, you know, there's sure. been a lot of times where I've been drunk and I lost my phone, uh, or I lost my wallet, mm. or I got into a fight with someone, or I had to get a Plan B pill the next day. You know what I mean? There's just a lot of. And the things. B doesn't stand for beer. What's that? The plan, the B and Plan B does not stand <laughs> no, for beer. Not at all. <laughs> But yeah, so that's what I'm saying. Like, I do like beer, and I love the taste of it. And I love, like, you know, talking about beer like this, like, in a beer kind of sore kind of way. Yeah. But when you ask, like, what are my favorite beers or what am I drinking right now, it's kind of hard to really name a beer because really where I'm at right now is, like, I don't even want to drink. You know, you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, yeah. But, uh, but when I go to, like, breweries in Winwood all the time, you know, like, I like going to Winwood Brewing. Shout out to Winwood Brewing. That's the the, that's the first spot that I recorded an episode at with oh, a yeah. brewer was Winwood Brewing. Shouts to y'all. I like that spot and I like Jay Wakefield Brewery too. Dope. dope. And um, I, I go a lot for like the blonde ones and the white ales, the okay. Hefeweizens, the Got Belgian you. ones. But I also like the dark ones too. Um, and I don't know offhand too many like names of particular dark microbrews, but when it comes to more macro brews, I like um, a fat tire. I got you. And I like Newcastle. Yes. And I like Yingling. Mm. And okay. Yingling to me is just delicious. Like that, it's a, it's a problem how good it is. Like that's what I'm saying. I've had a lot of nights where I had like nine Yinglings <laughs> because I just was drinking them like water. Yeah. And the next thing I know, I lost my phone and my wallet, and I got you know like in a fight, and uh, I lost my car and my bike, and you know what I'm saying. So. <laughs> It happens. Yeah, for sure. But I do like Yingling, and I like the fact that you can find that almost anywhere. You don't, yeah. you know. Uh, and Fat Tire is good, too. And Newcastle. I got exposed to Newcastle in college. Okay. And um, I think Newcastle is delicious. Yeah. It's a nice, dark Definitely beer. a brown ale, for yeah. sure. I think I found that around the same time where uh, I came across Hollandias, or the Hollas, like the homie Mowgli likes to call them. Um, I think it was Hollandias. And then the, the Grosch. I yes. think I was. I learned about growth with the funky, with the funky yeah, swing yeah. cap. Right around the same time, I learned. I was introduced to Newcastle by the homie DJ Broke. Shouts to DJ Broke. Oh, um, and I love Holy Mackerel too. 
where I met you, that was the holy yeah, mackerel spot. Was, yep. Holy mackerel is delicious. And I guess that is brewed here. Like it's born and raised in Florida, right? Correct, yeah. But holy mackerel is awesome. And yeah. the, the panic attack was one specific one they did. And that's what I'm saying. That's one that I like. I don't like because I like it too much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Panic attack, bro. Yeah. You have two or three of those. That's not yeah. a good thing. Yeah, holy mackerel not always good. packed a punch. Yeah. That, that was, yeah. That's definitely. what I'm saying. Holy mackerel I like, but it could be a problem. It really can. It could be. It could be. Let's get into this third one and hope yeah. that it's not a problem. Yeah. <laughs> but this third one is also from the Lost City. It's their black porter. It's an English porter. And it clocks in at a 4.7%. Again, brewed in North Miami. Okay. Let's give this one a go. I don't know what to make of this one. It's um, not as flavorful as it looks. It's kind of watery. Yeah. I almost like taste water in okay. it. Okay. But it's good. It's, you know, it's, it's a beer. <laughs> it's good. <laughs> we'll get the effects off of it. But it might be my least favorite of the three we've had. Okay. But are it's you, good. Are you into coffee at all? Because it definitely has hints. Oh, I love coffee. coffee. Okay. Yeah, and I'm getting the hints now that I, I sip a little more. But it does have a watered down, even for a porter. Typically, yeah. you think you're a little, uh, you're thinking porter, you're thinking a little bit, something a little thicker. Yeah. A little heavier on the palate. Exactly. This does have a lightness to it. But I guess that's cool. That's what makes it unique, you know? Yeah. yeah, yeah. It, it makes you think it's something, and it's actually something a little different, but it's good. Okay. Yeah. And I like the coffee vibe because I love coffee. Yeah. Coffee and beer and weed are my things. And hey, I, hey. I kind of fight with the three of them, you know? Yeah. None of them but are the like the first one you're willing to give up is the beer, though, right? Kind of, yeah. Out of those three, yeah, yeah. 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 Beer would probably be the easiest. The first one to go. Yeah. yeah. For at least six months. Yeah, I could, I could probably do six months of no beer pretty easily. Yeah. Uh, I try, but I have this podcast, about if you haven't heard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, it's, and it's based on beer, so it's hard for me to pull away from it. That's Even so though I, it does, like you said, at our age, we're in the 40-40 club, and uh, I do find myself that time going, man, I, I, I could use a break. Yeah. And then, but the podcast keep pulling me in. <laughs> the podcast keep pulling me in. I set myself up for failure when it comes to stopping on the on the beer consumption. That's but. why you got to succeed. You got to make the the podcast a success so it doesn't feel like a failure all across. Exactly. You know? Amen. I I'll, I'll take cheers. another sip to that. Amen. Cheers. Okay, cheers. Yeah, but that's a, that's a decent beer. I like that. True. True. Work. All right, well, let's not hesitate anymore. Let's get into this fourth beer. Yes. This fourth one is from Brower Ridge West. Brower, not Broward, Brower Ridge West. Um, it is their triple. And this one's going to be, this is going to, this is going to be a little heavy lifting on this one. It's an 8.2% and it's brewed in California. So let's give this one a try. Oh, this is complex. This has a lot more complexity than all the other three. This is good. I like it. This definitely, it's a, again, it's a Belgian. Um, but it's the Belgian in the truest sense as opposed to the uh, lemongrass that was a Belgian blonde. Yeah. So this is straight, like you're getting all the Belgian flavor in this one. But surprisingly light for 8.2%. Well, yeah, at least it feels like it. It, I mean, it feels like it. It's just glass. But no, this is good. This might be my favorite because this is the most intricate. It's got like okay. a berry kind of taste, mm. you know? There's like a lot going on. It's complex. 
You could drink this and appreciate it while you drink it. Yeah. You know, whereas some beers you're just drinking them. But yeah. For the effect. Yeah. 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 Definitely. Definitely. <laughs> no, but this is a, a nice strong beer to, to appreciate. I yeah. Like this. I like doing flights too. You know, you get the sample. It's cool. No, it's the way to go. Um, especially if you, you know, if you're indecisive. Mm -hmm. A little bit of everything. You don't have to commit to a full glass because you never know. You might not like it. Um, and you get to experience a little bit of everything. I mean, this is, I think flights are the way to go. Um, I mean, yeah, man. And they do it right here at, B at Fat Tap. This is dope. I like yeah, this. Yeah, Fat Tap like is the place to be, man. Yeah, yeah. Real quick, I guess let's get to the uh, the one through four, you know? The, 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 the most liked to the least liked. Uh, wh where are you sitting at? Uh, well, I would probably say that I like the triple the most. Okay. So that would be my number Friar one. My number two would be the apple in my eye. From Copper Point. Okay. I like that. I like the way they did the apple flavor. Mm. And then um, my third would be the lemongrass. Okay. That was a decent beer, uh, deserving of a number three. And then uh, my number four would be the porter, the black which porter. I liked, but you know, something's got to be four. No, for real. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Dope, dope. But Brenda, no, these are all good. We tried the beers. We still have more to go through. I mean, we could keep sipping on these, but we definitely got to get into this segment, which is the beats segment. Mm -hmm. Let's do this. Yes. Bruce Beats and Easter Podcast. This is the beat segment. I got Renda Ryder with me. Uh, if you pull up to Wynwood, um, you pull up to Fort Lauderdale, speaking of Fat Tap, you're going to witness the art of Renda Ryder. Um, he loves it when you take a picture of it. Yes. In front of it, tag him, post it on the IG story. Um, but we are in the beat segment. And we did we did discuss quite a bit of your up your your uh, your your early introduction to hip hop, what what became staples in your hip hop listening, uh, whether it was Karis One, Poor Righteous, um, so on and so forth. What are you listening to nowadays? Um, well, I was mentioning before, I guess, when we were kind of off the recording, but the other day I just got curious. I was like, man, all I listen to is Dead Prez and KRS-One and a lot of the same stuff. So let me just try something else. So I just typed in Yellow Wolf on Spotify and I was blown away. <laughs> this ah. dude is good. Okay. I didn't know anything about Yellow Wolf. I just knew that he was some white rapper and he got Eminem's attention and he got signed by Eminem. But I spent a few hours in the Yellow Wolf rabbit hole and I was like, this guy's pretty all right. Yeah. But I'll always go to Dead Prez. I'll always go to KRS-One. But I also, you know, like to listen to a lot of stuff, not even hip-hop. Like, okay. recently I've listened to Fantagram. You ever heard of Fantagram? Yes, they did an album with uh, Big Boy. Yeah. Called Big Grams. Yeah. And that's what's interesting is I didn't know that. So I'm like, let me listen to something that's not hip-hop. Yeah. And I was like, there was some song they had that was their hit. It was called something like Feeling Small or something like that. Okay. And that song was a hit. In a in a period of my life where I was listening to the radio a lot because I was at work, I had this manual labor job and I was listening to the radio. So there was a lot of songs that I heard a lot, and they got caught in my head, but I didn't know who they even were. And then like years later, I somehow pulled out this memory of this Fantagram song. Yeah. And I was like, I want to hear more Fantagram. So I looked them up. And I was like, this is cool, it's not hip hop. Let me yeah. listen. And then sure enough, this big boy song, and I'm like, ah, oh, you can't escape hip hop. No, no, you know? it's I'm like, wow, so they worked with uh, Big Boy, that's crazy. I didn't know they did a full album, but yeah. okay. 
But Phantogram is dope. And also something that's not hip hop that I love is um, the Cold War Kids. You ever heard of them? Nah. You Look put them me on. Up. I love it. This is this is my favorite part of the episode is when the guest puts me on the music. That's yeah. why I never have an issue with with the guest taking me out of the realm of hip hop. Yeah. My my listeners know, my peoples know that I'm. It's it's hip hop, you know, through and through with me. There's other stuff that I, I if it plays in the background, I'm digging it. I, I you know, I, I don't hate anything. Yeah. Um, but my choice is always hip hop. But th- my favorite part of this podcast is when the guest puts me on to this. So Cold War Kids. Yeah, Cold War Kids. They're, they, their genre is called indie pop. Okay. So that's what I'm saying. For a few years, I worked at a sandwich shop. And it was music heavy. Like, we listened to music all day while we made sandwiches. Gotcha. But it was like this bureaucracy of which employees controlled the radio and blah, blah, <laughs> you know. And um, so I listened to a lot of non-hip-hop. And there was this dude, Josh, that I worked with that was, like, covered in tats. And he was, like, this younger, like, uh, hipster kid. You okay. know, like, okay. I had heard the term, like, hipster, but I didn't really know, like, what it was. And it's funny because a lot of people even label me a hipster. And I'm like, I don't really know what a hipster is, but I know that I'm not it. You know, is it just the beard that makes you think that? Whatever. But like any other classification, a hipster is a type of person. But a lot of people are mislabeled as hipsters and whatever. And a hipster is obviously much more intricate than than the ways in which we describe them. But typically a hipster might have a beard, a lot of tattoos... Uh, smoke American Spirit cigarettes <laughs> and listen to certain types of music. Yes. And so indie pop is like a, a subgenre and it is what it sounds like. It's like it's indie, it's like indie rock, but it's got like this pop appeal. Got you. you know? And so I guess some uh, hipsters do listen to that. Again, I don't want to like stereotype them too much, but it was this dude, Josh, that exposed me to the whole genre. And I just remember being like, who is this? And he's like, this is Cold War Kids. And I was like, this is gangster, bro. <laughs> and I was like, what do you call this? And he's like, this is indie pop. You know, and it was just this dude was like just teaching me this whole new thing. And I'm like, okay, this is indie pop. And then I remember going to YouTube and typing like indie pop and just finding like a whole bunch of... Like, you know that one song that's like, all the other kids with the jumped up kicks better run? That's indie pop. I don't know who sings that. That might Uh, be the Sneaker Pimps. Is that them? No, it's, uh, is this, no, no, it's not Sneaker Pimps. No. Um, it's, um, I, it's, again, like, you described it perfectly earlier. It's one of those songs where you, you know, you listen to it. Yeah. And if it comes on, you, it comes on, you know exactly what it is, but you don't know that who it is. Yeah. But uh, I, I wish I could remember who the hell it is. But, I, yeah, popular song on. But I like that whole genre, and the Cold War Kids are amazing. They're, they're like the one group in that genre that I kind of isolated and started listening to a lot. Their lyrics are really deep, really deep, and... Um, so I like that But you know I listen to a lot of stuff I also like a lot of like um, Neo Soul oh, You know yeah, Erica yeah, Badu yeah. of course yeah. And Jill Scott And um, Music Soul Child Music Soul know, Child yeah. Bilal Bilal That yeah. Bilal Dwelling. album The first one I think it was called Firstborn Second Child mm. I listened to that For like two years Straight mm. I didn't listen to Anything but that album When I was in New York That was uh-huh. That was what I was Listening to yeah. On my headphones All day wow. And like yeah, Then I got into like Alicia Keys And Jimmy Cozier and a lot of like traditional R&B, like of course Mary J. Blige and um, Alicia Keys, J. Paul Records. Thomas. I just realized, yeah. yeah, Clive Davis, J. Records, Alicia she Keys. She was on J. Records when I was working there, and that's what I'm saying, bro. My job sucked. <laughs> 
Like, I had it going to work at 7 o'clock in the morning. I was there before every single employee at the whole record label. Wow. And I would get there at 7 in the morning, and I had to read the Los Angeles Times, the New York Times, the New York Post, oh, and like, like basically like six, the USA Today. It was basically like six different publications, mm-hmm. and I had to basically read all of them and look for any article that dealt with music and cut it out. And then I had to take all these cut out articles and photocopy them and make like my own newspaper every single day. <laughs> oh shit. So I would make a newspaper, like I'd go over to the yeah, photocopy yeah. machine and copy all these different articles and compile them and create like a packet and then make like a hundred copies of that packet and then distribute wow. it to everyone at the label and make sure that that was sitting on their desk before they got into work. The Renda Herald. Yeah. <laughs> that's kind of what it was. So they'd come in at like nine or ten. But I'm already had... two, three hours deep in work mm-hmm. and I had basically prepared a fresh newspaper for them every morning yeah but that's what i'm saying is i'm glad that i started the job right after alicia key's like big run yeah when she released that first album and got like 100 grammys yeah because whoever was working my job before me they must have had so much because she was in everything you know what i mean like they would have just been cutting and cutting and pasting. they would have been making these huge things so that's what i'm saying by the time i got the job i was getting stuff on like busta rhymes luther vandross all these different people but i was just happy that the alicia keys run was kind of over yeah because she was in every i mean remember she was huge bro she still is but grammys you know she was grammy but it was in that in that in that space where it, she was probably between projects where yes. it wasn't so like the media attention wasn't on her. It was between the first and second album, so okay. yeah, there wasn't that much media attention. But I still had my work cut out for me. But yeah, but you know, so just music in general. Yeah, I mean, I I, I love all hip hop, but Cold War Kids and I like yeah. I like Bob Marley, I like James Brown, I like okay. Prince, I like Stevie Wonder. Stevie Wonder took a picture in front of one of my murals. Yo. So that's pretty cool. <laughs> and I find that I do that sometimes. Like a little thing will happen and it will make me more into that person's music or okay. something. You Got know you. what I mean? Got you. Um, like when I knew that I was, I listen to Drink Champs all the time. But when shout I knew that Drink I was Champs. going to see shout yes, to FN for big sure. Shout to them. And then when I knew I was going to meet DJ FN, I, I, I was like, all right, let me like brush up on some Drink Champs. Like, you know, I listen to this stuff anyway, but I had to drive like five hours, and I'm like, cool, I listen to this Busta Rhymes one, it's four hours. It's four hours. You know, and then I'm going to drive all through the night, and in the morning I'm going to meet EFN. So I'm just, I'm into that, like, energetic, like, programming, you know, like programming gotcha. your own brain, mm. putting certain elements into your brain that you know, like, belong there, and that you want to put in there for a certain reason. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, There's a calling. There's something that's calling you to yeah. it. And it does, and sometimes it doesn't make sense up front, right? But through through time, you'll be like, oh shit, you connect it. Yes, and, yeah. It's it's because wild. hindsight is twenty twenty. Like, mm. good example of that is, um, I went on this like Royce the Five Nine binge, and I don't really know where it came from. I just know that a few years ago, in like 2015, 16, I was heavy with like listening to music on YouTube, and it was yeah. mainly hip hop. And of course, I knew Royce. I liked Royce, and I liked Eminem and like associated acts but I just started going down this rabbit hole of Royce and I was yeah. listening to like the Mad bar Royce. exams the yeah all that and then like 
I didn't know where that came from. I'm like, why am I listening to all this Royce to 5'9"? And then I went to Detroit to do a mural. And then I'll, somehow I got wind of some event that he was doing, like an in-store appearance at this like sneaker store. Okay. And I went to see him, and I met him, and I took a picture with him. And one of the guys from E12 was there, and Danny Brown was there. You know, what? Danny Brown, yeah, yeah, Brown. yeah. And I met all these kids. Uh, and um, Sway was there from Sway and King okay. Tech. Okay. It was like Sway was hosting it. And it was like, I forgot what the whole point was, but it was like Sway was hosting it, and he was mainly interviewing Royce, but then Royce brought out one of the D12 guys and Danny Brown, and then I met Royce, and I told him, yo, I'm in Detroit, because I just did this mural for World Peace. I showed him a picture on my phone, and then I took a picture with him, and then later that night, he posted a picture of my, like, he went to my Instagram, found a picture of my World Peace mural, screenshotted it, and posted it himself. And I was okay, like, gotcha, gotcha. okay, so this makes sense. This is why I was listening to Royce 5'9 for a yeah, few months, you know? Yeah. But yeah, certain things only make sense in hindsight. But everything is like an energetic investment, you know? You invest your time and your energy into something, listening to a type of music, whatever it is, or a certain artist, it's going to come back yes. somehow. Yeah. It might be something super obvious like that, like meaning Royce to 5'9, or it might be something so subtle that you never even catch it and yeah. you never realize yeah. that it came back. But it happens without your knowing. But it puts you in a position to continue forward, or even, or even succeed, or, yeah. or progress. It's amazing how life works that way sometimes. Like, God forbid, Royce would have said something to you along the lines of like, "Oh, you heard this," and then you would have been like, "Hell yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about." That was like the third track on this. Yeah. And it, but it, with, I mean, you weren't. It's not like you were studying for a test, but life put you in a place where. It um you could you could be able to use what it is that you experienced or or were kind of listening to or or uh, delving into yeah to your benefit later yeah oh it's positive though. That's, that's so dope but so I've always liked Rice but then I you know got more into him after meeting him and stuff and so sometimes that is like what dictates what I'm into you know yeah gotcha but uh, I also like to listen to just a lot of speakers like not even music when I'm okay. doing a mural or when I'm working on a canvas piece. And I want to listen to something. I'll listen to hip hop, or I'll listen to indie pop, or reggae, or whatever. But a lot of times, I just listen to like speakers or podcasts too. Podcasts yeah. a, new, a new thing. But like Wayne Dyer, I mentioned, and Deepak Chopra, dudes like this, Lao Tzu, a lot of like philosophers. This guy named Seneca, who was uh, like the foremost philosopher on the idea of stoicism. Stoicism is basically like kind of like not giving a fuck, essentially. Okay. Not, not like in any negative way, but sto- yeah. if you're a stoic, you're like not affected by anything. You know, you're just yeah. kind of blasé, and it's like really a good way to be. Yeah. You're not emotionally invested in anything. You let things come and go, mm-hmm. you know? So, yeah. Um, and like, uh, or books on tape, like the 48 Laws of Power. Gotcha. I listened to that on yeah. tape, and like the Four Agreements, and okay. the Alchemist. And again, that goes back to hip hop. A lot, of, a lot of these books I only heard of because certain rappers mentioned them. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So my education always goes back to hip hop. Nice. I know, like Fifty Cent has mentioned the Forty Eight Laws of Power. Oh, yeah, definitely. Before, and a lot of people mentioned the Alchemist. The Alchemist, the producer, yeah, obviously yeah. got his name I, from that. You yeah, know. Yeah. But well, yeah. a lot of times you hear in rap, people talk about the Art of War with Sun Tzu. That yeah, there's or behold, behold the pale horse. Yes, you're always gonna get uh, uh, literal references in hip hop, yeah, and, and that opens up a whole other world of things for you. As a and behold the of- pale horse, when Busta Rhymes was on Drink Champs, 
he was mentioning the role that played in and where like, he got that it from. Whole career. And where he's he like, got it from. It was George yeah. Clinton. Oh yes. George Clinton put him on to behold the pair horse. And then he passed it on to Goody Mob. Yeah. And that's when they wrote Self Therapy. Yeah, that is that They is wrote so, Self Therapy. No. Because uh, I also saw the Drink Champs or some interview with, with CeeLo and he so I heard that story from Busta, but I first heard it from I think CeeLo. Gotcha. And they were asking about self therapy and he's like, Well, you'll never guess this, but back in the day Busta Rhymes used to come to Atlanta and he used to hang out at the dungeon and one time he gave us this book, Behold the Pale Horse, and that's why we wrote Self Therapy. Then I heard Busta tell the same story, yeah. so I'm like, wow, this is crazy. But I love that. I, I just love the overlap of, of my interests, and I love seeing that other people have the same kind of interests, and they have the same kind of overlaps. Yeah. And just all of this, it's just all connected. No, but excellent. for me, you know, I feel like hip-hop is the backbone of the whole tree, and everything kind of stems out from there, mm. you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or, or even more, the roots like the, the 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 core that like yeah. what 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 taps into the the earth and then brings it, it sprouts out. And yes it sprouts into different things yeah no definitely yeah that is that is so ill that is so mm-hmm. ill um you mentioned royce the five nine posted up um your piece that you did in detroit um anybody else that you could think of that's taking a picture in front of your piece you said stevie wonder also took a, a picture in front of the piece anybody um, else yeah, you know the rapper named Rhymefest? Yes, yes, the guy who wrote Jesus Walks alongside yes. yeah, Kanye West. Yes, yes. Okay. So I'm glad we're speaking about this and it's, you know, recorded, but Rhymefest is a genius. He's from Chicago. He was down with Kanye in the early days. He yeah. wrote or maybe at least co-wrote uh, Jesus Walks. Yeah. He also did a song with Kanye called Brand New. Okay. But he he uh, was in Miami for Art Basel like maybe three years ago, and he shot a video of one of my murals, posted it on his Instagram, and tagged me. And then when I saw the tag notification, I was like, Rhymefest, wait, why do I know that? And I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's a rapper dude. And I'm like, I know him. He did a song with Kanye West. Then I noticed he started following me, and then right as this is all clicking, he sent me a message. And he's like, bro, I want to buy one of your shirts. And I'm like, okay, let's meet up. But we never met up. <laughs> so that story doesn't go as far as I would have liked to. But um yeah. but he was a nice guy and you know he did he did um post up my mural. Nice. We didn't get to link for a shirt, but then I had hollered at him a few times after that. Like when I went to Chicago, I was like, Yo, what's up? I'm in Chicago, I'm doing a mural, you wanna come check it out? And he was like, Yeah, what's the address? Mm. And I gave him the address and he never came, but you know, whatever. <laughs> it was cool. But so Rod Fest is one and then um Elizabeth Gilbert, she's not a rapper, but she wrote the book Eat, Pray, Love. Got you. Which she's was the one that traveled. Uh, did she travel Europe? Is that yes. the, behind the, the, the Well, yeah, yeah, something it? like that. I don't know. I don't remember the intricacies. I saw oh, I'm movie. thinking about the movie. Well, yeah, no, the movie was made based from the on, book. Okay, got you. But got the you. book is, I believe, based on her life. It's a true story. Then okay. they made it into a movie with Julia Roberts. Yes, that's it. That's and so Julia Roberts played like that's Elizabeth where I Gilbert. It, yeah. yeah. But Elizabeth Gilbert shot a video of one of my murals in Miami and tagged oh, me and everything. So that was cool, too. Uh, actually, I got a lot, man. Uh, what's his name? The baby. All right, so there's the baby and there's, and there's little baby. baby. There's two of them. I'll get them confused um, to the day. <laughs> Lil baby, Lil baby okay. sh- uh, performed in front of my mural in Atlanta. Oh wow. Okay. 
he did like a live performance in front of one of my murals and a lot of people sent me pictures because I'm not tapped into that. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. But other people are mm -hmm. and they were all sending me pics like, yo, little baby in front of your mural. I'm like, wow, that's cool, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> but I think it is. It's cool in followers. the sense that, that it, it's introducing a whole other generation to your artwork. Yeah. In that respect. Oh, absolutely. But yeah, that was one of my World Peace murals and that was in... Um, in Atlanta. Nice. And what else? And then that that particular mural in Atlanta, actually a lot of different rappers shot videos in front of it. But it's a lot of newer rappers, so I wasn't really tapped in. But I remember I talked to the owner of the building, because I had hit him up once, like, yo. All right, so actually, do you know Sci High the Prince? Yes. Sci High no, the Prince. No Dope on oh. Sunday. Yes, yes. That's an ill album. It is, that it is. is. an ill album. So Sci High the Prince yeah. is dope. People like me and you like him, even though he's a little bit newer. Yeah. Uh, but he's not super new school. Yeah. He was signed by Kanye West. Yeah, he was good music for a minute. Yeah. yeah. So he shot a video in front of my mural in Atlanta. And it was a dope, he shot an actual music video, video. And the song is called New Africa. And you oh, need to look it up. Oh, that's one it of the dopest so, songs on the album. You know album. that song? Yes. yes. So look it up, bro. Yeah. The official video of New Africa is shot in front of my mural. Now he's got Ew. a bunch of scenes. So it's not like the entirety of the no, video. Yeah. But it flashes to it. Yeah. And so in total, there's like 15 seconds in front of my mural. But I remember I hit up the owner of that spot and I was I sent him the link. I'm like, yo, do you know this rapper Sai High the Prince? Like he shot a video at your place, you know, in front of my mural. And he was like, Yeah, actually a lot of rappers have shot here. And then he named a bunch. I didn't know who they were. Like I think Lil Uzi Vert. Okay. And like a bunch of these Lil rappers, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. But yeah, so that's some and I'm trying to think what else. Oh yeah, Tech from Smith and Wesson. Okay. He Dope. took a picture in front of my mural in Brooklyn. Uh, I found that on Instagram somehow, and then I hit him up, and I was like, yo, that's my mural. It'd be cool if you follow me, and I think he started following me, and then I sent him a picture of my art, you know, the one with all the rappers in it. Yeah. And he's like, I don't see Smith & Wesson on there, because I didn't have Smith & Wesson <laughs> on the first edition, yeah. so I felt like an idiot. And I'm like, oh, well, Smith & Wesson's on the second one. <laughs> And then I sent him a pic of the second one. I was all like, "You want you want a print? I'll give you a print. Give me your address." And he just kind of never answered. Yeah. So. Yeah, but yeah, so Jack for Smith and Wesson. I don't know. There's actually a lot, man. Yeah. Um, you know, different celebrities and rappers and stuff. But I guess that's, that's most that's of it. them. Well, you mentioned the sh you mentioned the gear. You mentioned the pieces. You mentioned the shirt. Yeah. Um, this, I imagine it's the same place where they could reach out to you if they wanted to get a shirt. If they wanted to get a piece, it's all the same yeah pretty the much pretty much my instagram i mean you can go to renderwriter.com you could contact me through there or you can just go to my instagram you know because i'm on there all day and so you can just dm me and you know whatever you want i'll tell you where to get it uh, unfortunately I'm a, I'm a pretty established artist i'm a career artist yeah. but i'm also honest i do need a little help with consolidating my shit you know, to make it more like all in one place. Correct. You know, because yeah. it's like creating okay. a hub where everything is found. Yeah. Like my website is not super up to date. So it's kind of like, all right, here's the link for my t-shirts. If you want my prints, then here's the link for this. And if you want originals, <laughs> contact me directly. And the hip hop one is two different pieces. So sometimes it does seem a little convoluted, like it's yeah. like a lot of information, but whatever. I, Regardless, I still do my thing. And anyone that really wants my art or really wants to get in touch with me, will yeah you know and once you're talking to me i'm gonna cater to what you want you know i'm gonna answer all your questions and you know i'll come to your house and do a mural whatever it is Dope. but uh um, you know yeah. it just starts with reaching out that's it and i'm talking and you're exactly right i mean and the shirt 
the shirt covers a lot. I mean, for my hip hop heads, y'all know what it is. It's you know, we talk beats here, we talk about a lot of the times it's centered around hip hop, and I'm amazed at the different things, the names that I pick up on. You know, the alcoholics is in there somewhere. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's it's just the shit that we grew up, UPMD, or the shit that I grew up. I don't want to say we, I grew up, but I know Renda grew up listening to. I'm sure Kwame is in there somewhere. Oh too. yeah, and I gave Kwame a print. And he loved it. He took a picture, but I had to like email him like five times after to like remind him, like, "Yo, you got the print? You ready to take a pic? You know, that's follow up. That's really yeah. fun. Yeah, so yeah. a lot of this shit doesn't really get done unless you're good with follow up. But he sent me a picture of him holding the art. And then recently, if you go to his Instagram, he uploaded a video of him playing piano with some girl singing, and they were like singing about the election. And on his piano was my art. Yo, like he had it framed sitting on the piano, and he uploaded this like. Two minute video of him playing piano with some girl with a real good voice yeah. singing and my art is right there so yeah I mean it's it's a journey bro it's a journey like this whole idea of getting my art to these rappers because like I said I'm not really starstruck at all mm-hmm. but I do like to show these cats that I appreciate them yes and I like to show them like okay not only am I a fan and not only did I grow up on your music but I want you to know that your influence and your music made me the man that I am today, and I am a successful man. I'm a successful artist. I'm a self-made man, and I understand where my influence comes from, and I'm not, like, creepy about it either, like a stan. Yeah. I'm just kind of like, yo, thank you for helping to raise me. Yeah. I mean, in a way, these rappers raised me more than my parents. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. my parents were good parents, but... I spend six hours in school, then go to track practice for two hours, they come home and then have dinner with my parents for a half window, hour. That window was small. Yeah. yeah. And then I'd go in my room and just listen to hip hop. So it's like, how much time did I spend with my parents versus these rappers? Yeah. You know, like, true. not much. True. True. So yeah. Yeah. But yeah, Kwame was cool And uh, the same day that Kwame sent me the picture Milk D from Audio 2 <laughs> sent me a picture Yeah That's flavor And that they also flavor. they come in in waves yes. You know, it's a lot of follow-up There's still a lot of rappers out there that have my art That owe me a picture Yeah, yeah But, you know, I in try to time. not harp on that yeah. too much But yeah Like Goody Mom said, in due time, man And, yes. and it's about time that we wrap up the beat segment and we get into these eats. So mm-hmm. it's Bruce Beats and Eats. I got Renda Ryder with me. You know who I am. Y'all stay tuned. Bruce Beast and Easter Podcast, and we have reached the Eats portion. This is the segment of the podcast where we get to know my guests' food tastes, um, go to meals, um, what they grew up eating, uh, something that they really despise sometimes. Sometimes people hit me up with that. That's always pretty cool and interesting. Um, a little bit of everything. Uh, what, what you know? What what a what a, a, a day of like free eating might seem like. Um, Renda, you're on the road a lot. You yeah. travel, so I know you've hit up places throughout the United States. Um, what's the one thing that always gets your attention, no matter where you're at? Uh, I can pretty much always go to Waffle House. Okay. okay. Anywhere in America that I find a Waffle House. 
any time of day or night. I can stop at Waffle House. I know exactly what I'm gonna get, and I know I'm gonna like it. So what's, what's that? What's that plate at Waffle House consist of? Uh, I mean, it's different. Sometimes I get steak and eggs. Okay. I'll get like two eggs over medium with a steak. Well done. I know a lot of people think well done steak is weird, but that's <laughs> I'm, how I I'm roll. with you. I am with you. I, it wasn't that long ago. I, I say within the last three years. I backed off the, the well done and went medium well just for this fact that I learned that there's carcinogens that enter the, 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 the product when you cook it too long. Okay. So I, I, I graduated from well done, which people would constantly tell me. They would constantly tell me, yo, you're ruining it. You're yeah. ruining the steak. So I'm like, all right, I'll, I'll, I'll compromise. We'll go medium well. So so you're in good company when it comes to that. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I'll try it medium well. But yeah, so Waffle House, you know, sometimes I get a steak and eggs. I get like their hash brown bowl. Their, their, their scrambled eggs with cheese on top is just ridiculous. Mm. Yeah, uh, but a lot of times I get like a bacon, egg, and cheese sandwich on Texas toast, you know. And just a bacon, egg, and cheese sandwich anywhere is yeah. a staple. Yeah. That's a New York thing, you know. Yeah. Growing up in New York, on the street, you, you get your bacon, egg, and cheese. It's like religion, you know. <laughs> it's like getting the communion. <laughs> but uh, so, but yeah, I mean, you know, I'm always down with breakfast. Breakfast food, I could do anytime. Mm. As part of my attraction to Waffle House. Same with like Cracker Barrel too. Mm. Cracker Strong. Barrel is maybe Strong. like a, a little bit more of like a time commitment, a little yes. more of a sit down thing. Yeah. But still, I, I like both of those. Ideally, I would love to get sponsored by Waffle House for real. I've looked into it. I've sent them letters. Really? Yeah. Did you send them a refrigerator with two and a half pound weights? <laughs> no. <laughs> but I should. I should. But yes, I've emailed them. I've sent them a lot of different letters and correspondence. I never got a response. I've learned a little more about the company, though. They're family-owned, and they're, like, very stubborn with keeping it family. Oh, okay. Like, they never went public. They're not publicly traded. Okay, okay. Even though they're a huge company. Wow. And you notice they don't really change. Like, they're always... No, it's the same. Wavlas are always exactly yeah. the same. So it kind of makes sense that they wouldn't be hitting back this artist that wants to be sponsored. You yeah. Know? I think the only thing that they've changed recently, and it's just due to COVID, is that... They took out a lot of the rocking chairs, and now they made outside seating. Oh, Cracker Barrel! You're about yes, Cracker yeah. Barrel. Yes. So that's the one. Th that's the and and like you said, but that's after years. Like yeah, like the situation we're living in is kind of what put the pressure on them yeah. to even make that move. So if you're talking about just tradition and doing things the same way, yeah, Cracker Barrel's been yeah, that. Man. Yeah, both of them are kind of rooted in like tradition, but. But in traveling, I do get to try a lot of different food. Okay. And sometimes I find myself in a rut where I'm like, yo, I'm in like this new town and I'm just going to Waffle House. Like, I got, I got to try something different. Like, you know, what is this town about? And I remember in Memphis, I had barbecued spaghetti. What? That That's shit was amazing. What? I barbecue mean, spaghetti. It sounds weird because it's like, wait, they barbecue the spaghetti, but it, it's more like spaghetti and barbecue sauce. Okay. Of, you know what I mean? And like pulled pork or whatever in it sometimes. Gotcha. But it was delicious, man. You, you gotta, you gotta have it to to know what it tastes like yeah. and to understand it. But barbecue spaghetti is a thing in Memphis. So, you know, I wow. had that there. There's also a chain in, in Memphis called Huey's, which okay. has like four locations. It's just kind of like Americana food, but it's a very Memphis, you know, staple. staple. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you know what I also love? Like, uh, my food taste kind of goes the gamut from like 
kind of unhealthy, like semi-fast food, like Waffle yeah. House, all the way up to like super healthy vegetarian food and like raw foods and stuff like that. Okay. Because I, I absolutely love eating healthy and my default is healthy. Yeah. I don't really ever eat fast food, fast food. Gotcha. You know what I mean? Like McDonald's, yeah. Burger King, Wendy's, nah. Yeah. There's been some times where I've been in certain parts of America where I couldn't find much else and I wasn't even all that aware of like what was fast food and what was not. So like recently in like Georgia, there's certain parts of America where it's like, dude, either you fast or you eat some bullshit. You know what I mean? So talk about like food deserts. Yeah, 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 totally. So when I'm in those areas like Georgia and stuff, like outside of Atlanta, Atlanta's got, you know, is a city with a lot going on. Okay. But when you get outside of Atlanta, Georgia is like, wow, all they have is fast food. Like you can't avoid it. You but when I've got more control over my options, yeah. I always go for the healthiest. Okay. And I eat at Whole Foods like crazy. And Whole Foods I want to get sponsored by too. And yeah. I think... What's up, Whole Foods? Yeah. Cut the I'm check. Saying, I would love to be sponsored by Whole Foods because I I go to Whole Foods every chance I get all over America. Yeah. I've been to many Whole Foods across the United States. And um, the first Whole Foods I ever went to was in Boca Raton. Back in that era when I was doing all these open mics and I just remember like first discovering it and I'm like, this place is so expensive, but so awesome, you know, <laughs> and COVID kind of messed things up because a lot of these Whole Foods now are like not doing their, their hot bar. Yeah. You know, the food by the pound that they use, yeah. which is X. I mean, like you said, if you have a couple extra dollars, you, you cannot go wrong. They have a little bit of everything. Oh, on there. hell yeah, man. Hell yeah. But so I've been like a Whole Foods addict for a long time. I've been really big on Whole Foods. Um, you know their 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 hot food bar and their their fruit bar and and I love going to all these different Whole Foods and seeing how they're all different. Okay. You know because they're, they're all different. Some of them have things that other ones don't have at all. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I also like pizza, all kinds of pizza. Here locally, I love Pramonti Brothers. Pramonti Brothers. There's one just a few doors yeah. down. Yep. And I go to the one on the beach a lot. So Pramonti Brothers is is pretty solid. Um, but yeah, I also, I really like like healthy foods. I love like acai bowls. Okay. You know, yeah, yeah. Like that pataya bowls yeah. and like, you know, with, with the shredded coconut and the granola and the honey and the bee pollen and <laughs> all that stuff and kiwi and banana and strawberry. Like I love that. Yeah. I had an acai bowl this morning somewhere. I don't know, but, um. I'm big on like diners too. I like a lot of those throwback diners, like okay. 50s diners. That feel that nostalgia in it. Yeah, there's Yo. a spot in Pompano called the Jukebox Diner on Atlantic Boulevard. Hmm. I go there a lot. I go to Peter Pan Diner. Ah, yes, on at Oakland Park. And Dixie. Yeah, close to the Dixie. Yeah. And uh, Lester's Diner. I go there Lester. all the time. Ah, yeah. They got a few locations, but that original Lester's on State Road 84. 84, not too far from the airport. Yeah. It's crazy how you see people pull up with their luggage yes. to Lester's because like they're either waiting for a connecting flight or, or or they're about to leave they just dropped off their car to one of the many uh, rental car spots yeah. right there by the port Yep. and yeah it's wild but that's a yeah. staple too I, I've gone there a lot of times straight from the airport myself yeah. I've slept in their parking lot a bunch of times too like maybe I've been driving all night I pull up to Lester's at like 2 in the morning I yep. go to sleep in my car and I'm like hey when I wake up yep. I can have breakfast I'm right you here know ready for me. you know <laughs> yeah but so I'm big on breakfast foods and diners and stuff and I'm big on like healthy foods yeah. 
not so big on like fast food, but I also understand survival mode. Like you gotta eat what you gotta eat. Yeah. When you when, when it's from time point to eat. A to point B, for sure. But I also like I, like I love avocados, man. I got turned on to avocados much later in life. Okay. Like my ex girlfriend kind of turned me on to them, but so I like to buy a lot of like snacks and stuff from Whole Foods just to keep in the van. Yeah. So like Whole Foods like goji berries mm. goji berries are high in antioxidants and like um sea moss irish sea okay. moss yeah got turned yeah. on to that recently uh very like nutrient dense food you know that's uh high in antioxidants and good at eliminating like free radicals in your body and yeah. stuff so I'm, I'm big on on that but really i just like to eat <laughs> yeah. you know um i like a burger with a with an egg on it you know, like any place oh, that breakfast has breakfast burger or the yeah. hangover joint. Like yeah. what's it? Uh, I think Wi. What's that place called? Wi-Fi Burger. Burgerfy. 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 They got one called the the Bad Burger. B A D as in breakfast all day. Yeah. 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 So I always get that when I go there. But I like an egg on top of anything. I can do an egg on a burger, an egg on a chicken sandwich. You know, egg on top of avocado toast. I actually like going to a lot of these like overpriced coffee shops, you know, like like Panther Coffee and Win-Win. Okay. There's a lot of coffee shops like that all over America yeah. that are like this high class, like hipster coffee yeah. where it's like really expensive and stuff. And a lot of times they have coffee and they have a few like select pastries and stuff that are like super overpriced. <laughs> but, you know, I say this shit's overpriced because it is, but I'm not really complaining. Like I eat there anyway, you know, I'm like, yeah. okay, that's what you get. You know, you're going to spend like $15 for like a coffee and a croissant. <laughs> Yeah. And that's all you're getting, but that's what you're getting. Yeah, you know, you come you, to you, grips with that. Yeah, like, yeah, uh, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, I've been to a lot of those kind of coffee shops around America. Actually, what I love in California is they get a lot of these water places. All over California, they got the places that just have high alkaline water. Really? Yeah. And that's their thing. Like, they present themselves as, like, this is the water. It's a water Come place. Get your water. There are some places that are, like, water and something else. Like, sometimes it'll be, like, a laundromat and, like, a water store. Really? Yeah. <laughs> or it'll be, like, something plus water. But then there are other places that are just water. And you walk oh. in, and there's just, like, these, these, like, faucets hanging from the ceiling. There'll be, like, ten of them. And it's, like, this is 8 pH water. This is 9 pH water. This is distilled water. This is purified water. You know, and it's all like a price Yo. per gallon. And you can get like a little, you can get a cup or like a jug or whatever and yeah. fill it up. And I got really hip to that in California. And I was like, man, they need to have this in more places. Mm. But, you know, when you drink high alkaline water, you, you can taste the difference, bro. Like, yeah. that shit is really good for you. And wow. keeping your own personal alkaline level high yeah. keeps disease at bay. Correct. And, yeah, I mean, I'm just... I'm into that. So I like I like beer. I like weed. I like coffee. I like, you know, some food that's not so good for you. But to be honest, my default is like I'm I'm very health conscious. Okay. And I'm really into like my health and like taking care of what I put in my body and like understanding what it is. But I I just don't want to be fanatic about it. You know, like I mm, I, I didn't yeah. hit you back like yo, I don't want to do your podcast because like it's about beer. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. So I just you know, I, I appreciate everything. 
true. But uh, I but like you understand. Like, you understand that you have to navigate through it wisely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's about balance, you know. Mm-hmm. So I'll drink beer. I'll smoke weed. I'll, I'll drink coffee. Whatever. All that kind of stuff. Yeah. You know, I understand the pros and cons of things, but I also understand like my default setting is like I like to be health conscious. Yeah. I like arugula. I like kale. I like jicama. I, I like making a dope ass salad at Whole Foods. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I love cold pressed juices. Okay. For like a year, I worked at a cold pressed juice place in Miami Beach. Okay. And that um, I was already pretty health conscious, but working at that job got me like a hundred times more focused nice. on on like the health game. Yeah. And then Dead Prez's music. Yeah. Because, Eat healthy, y'all. Yes. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. And then they got another one that's like a sequel. They got Be Healthy, which I guess was on that first album, right? Yes. The Let's Get, uh, get Free or Die Trying, yeah. right? Or Let's whatever. Get Free. Let's Get Free. Yeah. Then they had another song called Healthy Living that came out way later. I'll send you a link to that. Please do. But yes, music like that really influences me. Like, you can't listen to Be Healthy by Dead Prez and then go have a beer or something. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it, it will, it will, without at least, without at least at minimum, Having you reflect on what it is that you're doing. Yes, yeah, yeah. You know yeah. what I'm saying? You might still totally. go get the beer, but you're sitting there like, yeah, I, you know, they dropped some knowledge on me that I'm kind of, it, it, it's in the I'm back not of my ready mind. for it, but I'm tomorrow, not, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, you know, I mean, that's, hip-hop teaches you about life, period. And, you know, just yeah. life is about balance and stuff. Like, a lot of times I smoke Black and Miles or I smoke cigarettes, you know what I mean? And that's like a stupid, stupid vice that I have. But mm. sometimes I do that, you know? Yeah, yeah. For like five years, I didn't smoke a single Black and Mild. Wow. And then more recently, I got, like, more into it. You know, it's just like a habit. Like, I go to get gas, and then I can get a Black and Mild for, like, a dollar. You know? And it almost became, like, a metric, too, like, traveling. I'm like, wow. So, a Black and Mild in Pompano is 75 cents. <laughs> a Black and Mild in Atlanta is $1.25. You know? And so, I got to a point where I was just buying Black and Milds to do, like, a a, a check of the economy of the local area. Because uh, like checking the temperature. Of yes. Yeah. I've been to places where they charge you Two twenty-five for a black a mile, yo. And I've been to places where it's seventy-nine cents. Yeah, you know. And so I'm like, wait. So I'm destroying my lungs just to do like an economic research project, you know. <laughs> but I guess also my my affinity for black a mile is like sometimes I get a bit of a taste for tobacco, gotcha. but I don't want to buy a whole pack of cigarettes because gotcha, gotcha. then I feel like that's a commitment. So I buy a black a mile because it's you know the only thing you could do. Like you can't most places you can't buy a Lucy. Yeah. But some places you can, and I know those places now, you know? <laughs> like, there's a little bodega in Miami where you could buy a single cigarette. Yeah. So sometimes, you know, like yesterday, I went there and I bought two Newports. But I also drank over a gallon of water yesterday, mm. you know? And yeah. so it's about balance. balance. Like, it's not about, sure. like, beating yourself up about a poor decision you might have made, you know? Because, like I said, my default is healthy, bro. I drink... I had I, acupuncture right before I came here. Oh, okay. When I hit you up Go and I was like, yo, I'm going to be in Tamarack. Yeah, yeah. And you were like, I live in Tamarack. At 3 o'clock, I had an acupuncture appointment. Okay, nice. So, you know, I, I take care of my body yeah. and stuff. Like, I don't have insurance. So it's aware- I- yeah, but it's awareness. You, yes. have, you have the awareness that if you're going to do one, there's you have to compensate and do other things. It, yeah. Definitely. And it can't just be, uh, you can't weigh it down with just... Like, like, tip the scales with just the, the, the bad shit. The yeah. bad shit, no, for sure. You got you got to have some awareness and you got to have a sense of balance. And if you do that, then there, there really should be nothing in your life that you're really, like, ashamed of. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because anything you do is a product of your choices. So you're like, all right, I chose to do that. Yeah. That's fine, you know? I didn't go overboard. I'm just indulging, you know, my other side for a minute. Yeah. there's nothing wrong with that. Because yeah, yeah. you can't just stay on one side. That's... 
you try to stay in one area too long and you're gonna develop a dark side like you're gonna develop a counter to that yes and then you're gonna keep that hidden because yeah. you're ashamed that it exists yeah and then the longer you keep it hidden the more it bubbles up and that's why you see things now like whatever like politicians molesting kids or like you know things mm. like that yeah but if you're just kind of comfortable with who you are like that's what I'm saying who am I I'm a damn healthy guy but I'll admit I smoke black and mild on occasion yeah. you know I, I drink coffee to relentless amounts on occasion you know what I mean yeah. but now who am I at the core overall I'm a healthy dude that totally respects my body, you know? So that's what it is. You just got to know yourself. And that's a hip-hop thing. The 80s and 90s hip-hop cats are saying, knowledge yourself, know thyself, stuff like that. And so when you're 8, 9, 10 years old and you're hearing that, you're curious. And you're like, what are they talking about? You don't grasp the concept just yet. Not 100%. It it plants the seed. Yeah, and you get into it and you want to be like them. That's why, like, when I was young, I read the the autobiography of Malcolm X. Mm. I read the Black Panther Manifesto. I read this huge unauthorized biography of Malcolm X that was, like, this thick and, like, all this stuff. So I'm, like, reading it. Maybe I'm not even 100% ready for the information, but I'm digesting it. I'm getting into it because the music got me curious. And then I get older and older, and and I'm still getting older, and I'm still learning. You know what I mean? And and everything is making more sense, you know? Like, just the way things influence you and the the things you allow into your diet, you know, which includes everything that you eat, listen to, hear, whatever, look at, you know? And, And it just... It just makes more sense, man. True. That's why life so is a true. beautiful thing. So if hip-hop is kind of like the soundtrack of your life, you you know, you got a pretty that's, good life. Like, yeah. Just follow good, that. That's you a know? good basis. That's definitely a good basis. Eating healthy. You're in my. You're in South Florida. I, I implore you, um, if you get a chance, if you find yourself back down in the Midtown slash Wynwood area, I'm going to tell you, um, make sure you stop at Organic Food Kings. I've never been there, but I know it. Yeah, I, I know for sure. It's behind the bomb shelter. Do you know the bomb shelter? Is that where the bomb shelter's at? Yeah, yeah. It's, I know that there's a post office yes. on one side. I didn't even know. I'm following bomb shelter. I didn't even know that they were that close to it. My buddy Pete owns it, and, okay. and my buddy Rob, they own it together. So that the Organic Food Kings is kind of in the parking lot of the post office. Yes. And then you go one more block north. And that's where the bomb shelter is. Oh, shit. Okay, you put me on. That's so dope. Yeah. Definitely get out there. Check out my man, Alex. I mean, the got... I would recommend the Got Now chicken sandwich. Um, At Organic Food King? At Organic Food King. Shouts to Got Now. DJ Got Now. Um, He's the winner of season three of Turn the Tables. It's a DJ competition hosted by Pretty Lou from, from Terror Squad fame. And um, I, I got a chance to sit down with God now uh, a couple weeks before they actually dropped the sandwich to the public. And uh, we recorded an episode of the podcast. And he, I'm, I'm so glad that, um, that he said, yo, let's meet up, eat the sandwich, and then we'll talk about it later. I'm like you. I find myself in a place where I'm not just committing myself to one thing. I try a little bit of that, but I understand that has to be balanced. So I don't mind a vegan meal. I don't mind a vegetarian meal. I don't mind a pescatarian meal. He took me out to this spot. I met him there. And we had this uh, lemon pepper chicken sandwich, which is consists of pea protein. And I, I, I was blown away. Yeah. Someone who doesn't indulge normally in vegan food or who has tried vegan food before and walked away thinking, yeah, I don't. it's not for me. 
Yeah. This, the food that they put at this spot, I mean, it's unbelievable. Hell yeah, uh, Unbelievable. Bro. So I definitely, if you find yourself in the area, check out the lemon pepper, it's the Got Now sandwich. Chicken pep uh, lemon pepper chicken sandwich comes with either your choice of seasoned fries or sweet potato fries. And it's, it's something else. You literally, I mean, for, like myself, I sit there and I go, they're fooling me somehow. Yeah. Like they're tricking me into thinking that this is this is actually chicken, but it's not chicken. It's it's so close. Oh, I gotta try it because yeah. I've been by there a million times yeah. and I just never stopped in to eat. So now I guess it's due no, time. No, definitely, definitely. But yeah, I love a good like healthy. Miami has a lot of healthy. Miami Squeeze is another good spot. They have one there? in uh they have one in uh North Miami Beach right On off Dixie. of uh, Dixie. Yeah. Yes. Yep. So I go there a lot too. Dope. Uh, that's one of the only places where you can get like a shot of wheatgrass or like a ginger shot, but you can also get a colada, like a Cuban coffee. You know what I mean? And then they got like falafel and all these amazing wraps. So I eat there yeah. a lot too. And I that's go to this choice. mechanic that's right across the street from them. Okay. But I like that. I, yeah, I like all the healthy uh, stuff, man. I really do. Like I like to eat good. You know, and then when I eat bad, it's just kind of like Waffle House, really. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Waffle House, maybe Cracker Barrel, but yeah. I don't really ever fuck around with the fast food joints. But traveling, it's like you kind of got to figure out what's fast food and what's not, you know? Mm, yeah. Like I was yeah. just in Georgia, I, I was in Macon, Georgia for like four days, and I, I went to this place called Cookout. And it's okay. kind of like a fast food place, like it's a drive through. Yeah. But the food tastes kind of fresh, and I, you know, I was like, trying to figure out like do I like this or not like is this good for me or not like I can't figure out where <laughs> it's so close like the line blurs yeah. between is this being is this some unhealthy fast food right. like just get me through a situation yeah. or is this actually something that I could ingest and it's not that totally that bad for me yeah, yeah. it's wild but yeah in traveling I, I figure out that where everything is on that spectrum but I gotcha. try my best to eat right you know I, I really I fasted for nine days once mm. uh, like maybe about five years ago okay. and lately I've been thinking that I might want to fast that again. again yeah okay. it's just a good way to clean things out yeah start over apparently like I didn't do all the research when I did it the first time I just did it to do it to do something different yeah but apparently when you fast you know 12 hours in 24 hours in two days in three days in certain things like change and certain things kick in and your body like responds and blah blah and it starts to eat the fat and things like that but supposedly there's like some point in your fasting where you like begin healing like mm. because your body is not so busy digesting food it has the time to, uh, energy to focus on other yeah. aspects that it picks up that is not that is wrong with you yes mm. and like things that it can never get around to before yeah and i've been kind of intrigued by that recently because i got kind of like a shoulder injury that's like reoccurring i got like an elbow injury that's like reoccurring and i'm like man maybe if i fasted that whole like healing thing would kick in or whatever yeah. i want to do some more research on it you know find out the intricacies of it but even if you don't understand that it's just kind of like stop eating you know yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but obviously when you're fasting you don't want to smoke weed either you know you yeah. don't want to drink alcohol either so it's like it's going to set you on the right path big yeah. time yeah. you know but and then coming out of it also is a big deal too yes as opposed to like how do you reintroduce things to the body you gotta do it very slowly yeah. I, I was so stupid when i did it the last time i fasted like five six years ago like i was saying and i, I fasted for like nine days and then when I decided to eat again, I started to eat something like little, something that didn't require a lot of chewing. And I was like, okay, yeah, I'm going to ease into it. I heard you're supposed to ease into it. And then I went to the Floridian on Las Olas. 
Never been. No, it's like a diner. It's like an old school diner on Las Olas. And I went there and I just ordered like a a king style like (laughs) breakfast, you know, grits and sausage and eggs and hash browns. And like, I thought it was kind of like funny, but I was paying for it, bro. Like I ate this giant meal and I had pains all over my body that I couldn't even explain, bro. Like I was like, I don't even know what this pain is. Like just all in my body, like my veins, it just like, if I were to try and visualize it, it just felt like veins and things in my body were like expanding and like pulsating. Yeah. Yeah. And it was like, it was just hating all this food that I ate. I was like, okay, that was not smart. You know, if I were fast again, I'm not going to come off it like this. Yeah. But there is a lot to be said for for fasting or for getting like a colonic. You know what a colonic is? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, so they basically like put a hose up your butt. Yeah. Shoot a bunch of water up there. Yeah. So I'm into all that stuff. Like all that weird stuff, all these weird like experimental things you can do with your body. Everything that has its benefits though. Yeah. For sure. Kava sure. too. I'm big on you drink kava ever? Nah. Kava is a drink that is made from a root. And okay. the root is in like the Pacific in like Fiji. Okay. And areas like that. I think out like Hawaii a little bit too. But so they take this root, they ground it up into a powder. They mix that powder with water and you drink it. And it's a sedative. They kind of jokingly call it Mother Nature's Xanax. Okay. But that's just like a way to, I guess, relate it to like to the young popular culture. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Exactly. But truth is, it's not like a Xanax at all. But it's a relaxing um, sedative. Okay. Herbal wow. nutrient. You know, it's not a drug. It's legal and stuff. But uh, it's a nice alternative to like alcohol because there are a lot of kava bars. So you go and it's a place to socialize, but nobody's getting drunk. They're just drinking kava, which just yeah. kind of chills you out a little bit. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of kava bars also have like different types of tea. Some of them have hookahs. And okay. that's something that I got really into here in South Florida. But then when I started traveling, I started like seeking out kava bars everywhere I went. Okay. And I found like some cool ones in Austin, Texas and North Carolina. But then there are obviously like stretches of America where they don't know what the fuck kava is. They never heard of it and there's no yeah. kava bars at all. Yeah. But kava bars are actually kind of big in South Florida and they're big in like areas where there's a lot of like rehabs. Okay. Because it's like this alternative, you know? Mm-hmm. So like, all right, so you had a drinking problem, you had a drug addiction, yeah. you're in the program now, you're in a halfway house, but you still feel a need to like socialize. Yeah. And so kava bars are like good for that. So yeah. Boca Raton and Delray Beach have a lot of kava bars. Okay. Because they also have a lot of rehabs. Yes. And um, St. Petersburg, Tampa area has lots of kava really? bars. Okay. So like that's another integral part of my diet you know gotcha. like last night i went to a kava bar in miami okay but i'm gonna have to try it out i went there after i had some alcohol so that just shows like the you know <laughs> what i mean like uh where was i drinking alcohol at i had a oh i went to see jerobi you know jerobi yeah from yeah the Tribe no, Quest. he's at 1-800 lucky yeah. right yes so he's i mean i don't know Tuesday. him hold on let me not give the the listener the idea that i know <laughs> jerobi personally i know of jerobi shouts to jerobi um yeah 1-800 lucky he yeah. usually spins out there but you could know him personally just come out next tuesday i mean he's a cool dude he's approachable um i know him you know i've met him five six seven times i gave him my art i got a picture of him holding my art and then when i saw him last night he had his mask on and he just saw me walking by and he was like hey where'd you get that shirt i was like i made it he's like you made it and i'm like yeah bro we met before like i do this this is my art you know (laughs) so like i met him like 10 times i wasn't sure if he really remembered me or not but yeah he's there every tuesday so i was like at 1-800 lucky 
to hang out with him and my buddy um, DJ Tillery uh, DJs with him. Okay. And um, nice. so I went there and I had like five beers and then I went to a kava bar to meet up with this dude to give him some art. And then I started drinking kava. Kava time. Technically, they don't mix. You're not supposed to really have them in the same night. But, you know, that's that's me. I like to indulge the full spectrum of my interests. That's it. All in one night. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. Renda, we talking about, yes, talking about the full spectrum. Yo, we ran the gamut. You mentioned it earlier. We did run the gamut, man. We got to know Renda Ryder. We got to taste the brews, give our opinions on the brews. We talked music heavy. Yep. And then we just wrapped it up with the eats. I mean, with a little bit of everything, recommendations. You put me on to spots. Um, I gotta go to I gotta go to Las Olas now. Yeah. Check out the Floridian. the Floridian for sure. I don't. That's think actually I... where Rick Ross crashed his car. Oh, is that where? Yeah, yeah. yeah where supposedly he was getting shot at. I mean, yes. allegedly, allegedly. Yeah, allegedly, allegedly someone shot at him and he swerved and he hit the Floridian. Ah, uh, really? Yeah, That's yeah. What that is. Okay. Yeah. All right, that makes sense now. I'm gonna have to check it out. Regardless. I don't think I go as hard as you did with yeah. all the different dishes, yeah, yeah. but uh, definitely I'll try it out. Um, my peoples, y'all got to know Renda. We we covered a lot. Yes, you know where to follow him. If you didn't pick up on it, the description notes are there. I'll add all the links and locations where you can get with him. Cop a shirt. Like I said, find yourself in front of his murals. Take a picture. Tag him on it. That, that it's all love. Um, there it is. Bruce Beats and Easter Podcast. As always, I'd like to thank my guest, Brent the Writer, for taking the time sitting down and talking it up with me. I'd like to thank you, the listener, for tuning in yet again another week. If you enjoyed what you heard, tell a friend. If you didn't enjoy it, tell an enemy. Tell somebody. Let them know. All streaming platforms, Spotify, Google, Apple, a bunch of other ones. Um, check it out. YouTube. We got the audio streams on YouTube. Videos once a month. Make sure you subscribe since you're already there. Uh, rate, comment, share, like, do all that other stuff. Let's get this uh, algorithm, on, you know, flip it upside down on its head and let them know about Bruce Beats and Needs. Y'all know what's up. My name is Old Head Ed, and that was another episode. Thank you, Ed. Hell yeah. <laughs>
and I wandered into this place that had a sign out front that said R&R T-Bar. And I go inside and I meet this guy behind the counter and his name is Ira, Ira Schneider. So he's the owner and he starts telling me a little bit about the place. He's like, this is the R&R T-Bar, but it's also the Funky Buddha Lounge. He's like, by day, we are the R&R T-Bar and we serve tea. And behind him, he had like a whole variety of teas, like 80 different teas, loose leaf teas that you would like grab a scoop of it, you know what I mean, and brew it individually. So he opened up this business with a buddy of his named Jeremiah. Jeremiah was a firefighter, so that was his full-time job. So he didn't really need this as like a job. He was a firefighter. But he opened up the R&R T-Bar slash Funky Buddha Lounge with Ira as like a side hustle. Like, I'm a firefighter, but I could do this too. And Ira owned a store called the Hemp Factory in Boca Raton. <laughs> and this is, this is, bro, this is 2005. Yeah. So this is like way before History. like weed became legal and yes, all that. Yes. But he had this spot called the Hemp Factory and he sold like smoking paraphernalia, but he, he also sold like hemp clothing and he like sourced his stuff from like uh, Belize and like Colombia and he and he like he was kind of a head shop but he was much deeper than that yeah you know and he sold all his hemp clothing so that's what made him different than the other uh, head shops he had like a real focus on hemp and and valuing hemp and understanding what hemp is so his money maker was the hemp factory Jeremiah's Jeremiah's uh, money maker was being a fireman but together they opened up this place on the side and they call it the R&R T-Bar by the day and the Funky Buddha Lounge at night. So I wandered in there one day and I start talking to Ira and he's telling me all of this. Yeah. And then he's like, you ever smoked a hookah? And I'm like, no. <laughs> so he busts out a hookah. This is the first time I ever smoked a hookah in my life. So he was telling me like, we have hookahs too. And he just informed me on what a hookah is and how all this works. You know, yeah. it's all completely new to me. Well, anyways, then I said to him, like, are you hiring? And he's like, well, I don't really have any employees. Like, to be honest, it's just me and Jeremiah. And, like, we just started, like, we don't really have any employees yet. And I was like, well, like, if you want to change that, you know, like, I'm here. And I was like, I just moved to Boca. I don't have a car, but I live, like, five blocks away. I have a bike. And I'm a hard worker. And I gave him my whole resume. And I told him that I worked at La Spada's. Got you know La Spada's, right? Yeah. And La Spada's was the sandwich shop that I worked at for a while. So when I told him that, it kind of impressed him because La Spada's is super busy mm-hmm. and like super high energy. If you're working yeah. there, you're working. And there's pressure. Yes. Yes. Definitely. So when I told him I worked at La Spada's, he was like impressed and he was like, okay. So he hired me. So I became the first employee of the Funky Buddha Lounge, also known as the R&R T-Bar. But after like maybe six months, Jeremiah left. I just okay. focused on being a firefighter and yeah. gave his 50% back to Ira. Ira. And then Ira started to like notice, like, okay, now I have an employee, so there's more that I can do, and I could do more with the nighttime business. Mm-hmm. And so then he kind of phased out the whole daytime thing and the R&R, like, um, branding. Yeah. And then he put a Funky Buddha sign out front, and then... We start hiring more employees, and I was basically the manager now, like by default wow. and by experience. Yeah. And then I was hosting an open mic once a week at the Hideout Bar and Grill, 
which was a small bar in Boca Raton. I did that every Monday night. Okay. And I had already been doing that open mic for almost a year at the time that I started working at the Funky Buddha. And I would always tell Ira how successful my open mic was on Monday nights. So he was like, why don't you do something like that here? So I started hosting an open mic there on Wednesdays. So I would do the hideout on Monday, and then I would work at the Funky Buddha Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And on Wednesday, I would not only be working, but I would also be hosting the open mic. So I'd be like on the clock as an employee, and I was the host. So I was serving beers, I was taking orders, I was getting up on stage, I was introducing the acts, I was drinking, I was doing my own poetry, I was doing it all. And then I hosted that open mic for like a year, and so now then I was doing the Funky Buddha every Wednesday, the Hideout Bar and Grill every Monday. Then I picked up this coffee shop in, Boca, in Coral Springs, and I started doing an open mic there every Monday and Friday. So actually, after about a year of working for the Funky Buddha, I quit as an employee because I picked up all these open mics. Yeah. So that, then wow. later, that's, that's around the time I met you. So then I started hosting open mics like six wow. nights a week, and I added Stage 84 and all that. Yeah. But in that one year that I was working at the Buddha, I was just working at the Buddha, and I was like their entertainment director. So I would do the open mic on Wednesday, but I also booked all the entertainment for every wow. other night. And I ran their MySpace, which at the time was yeah, like a big the, yeah. deal. You know, so I ran their MySpace page. I did the hiring and the firing. I did the scheduling. I did the inventory management. I called up all these beer distributors. I had a relationship with all these beer cats. And, and this was the very beginning of the craft beer revolution. Yeah. So I'm yeah. learning about this. I'm like learning about hookahs. I'm learning about beer. I'm learning about wine. All this, you know, at once I'm getting this like education. And yes. so I did that for a year working for him and then I like quit as an employee and I just went ham on the hosting events so I ended up hosting the open mic at the Buddha for like five years wow. and uh, I did the I did the hideout for like two years I did the Buddha for like five I did stage 84 also known as the holy mackerel tap room I guess yes, yes. I did that for like two years I did Dada in Delray Beach for like a year and a half and I did all these different open mics but all together it was like a five year span wow. And there was a good three years in that five-year span where I was like literally booked five nights a week Damn. for three years. But um, so yeah, but so that's what's interesting is that then I uh, and Ira, I love Ira now. We are actually friends now. Okay. But there was a time where I like hated him. Like <laughs> he was my boss, and I was grateful yeah. that he was my boss, and he gave me all these opportunities. But then I started to see like this really evil side to him, mm. and he just came across as like a very evil character. And he was like not a good person <laughs> And then he like started growing the Funky Buddha brand And then he sold it to our CityLink rep Do you remember the CityLink yeah, magazine? Yeah, yeah. It was a free weekly yeah, periodical like, like the New Times Yes yeah. So there was the New Times and CityLink yeah. Well our CityLink rep So I had a relationship with Andrea the New Times rep okay. And Ryan the CityLink rep okay. So they dealt with me to do the ad in, the, in their magazine once a yeah. week and then after a while, Ryan started asking a lot of questions and stuff. And then after I quit as an employee, but while I was still hosting the open mic, Ryan went and met with Ira and bought the Funky Buddha off wow. of it. And he was just wow. like a struggling salesman. Yeah. But he bought it with some partners. So it was like Ryan and Nate and like two other guys. So those four guys like pulled their money and bought it. But then Nate was stealing. And oh, then fuck. there was like basically problems with all the three Typical partners. Miami, South Florida yeah. shit. Totally, bro. 
So it was like Nate was stealing, and one guy had a coke problem or this or that, and then it eventually became just Ryan's, and then Ryan really cashed in because all of his like deadweight partners left, yeah. and then he continued the saga. He was totally done with City Link, and then I think he's the one that like opened up the Oakland Park location. Yes, and then he okay. ended up selling the Boca location, and they he sold that to someone else, and they called it the Robot Brewery. So Open that's what it's called, Coast. like now. Well, not now, now, because now the robot brewery just went out of business like a year ago. So mm. now there's like nothing there, literally. Yeah. But it was the RR T bar slash Funky Buddha Lounge. Wow. I was the dude running the whole shit. And then <laughs> Ryan bought it with partners. His partners fell out. Ryan ran it for a while. He, he ended up firing me as the open mic host. He had some weird disagreement with me that I don't even really remember, but it was some bullshit. <laughs> so then I wasn't even hosting the open mic. And then I started, you know, whatever, getting into other stuff and became a visual artist. Yeah. But so it was him that sold it to like Coors or whatever the big yeah. brewery is that bought it. And I guess he kind of cashed out. As far as I know now, he doesn't own that, you wow. know, at yeah. all. Okay. But yeah, so then but they opened up. Now the, it's a, a pivotal point. It's kind of like a cornerstone of the rebuilding of Oakland Park. Yes. Like that's like the that city, area. The city has turned around and given them funding to be kind of like. That the the initial wave of, of kind of re uh, I don't know, uh, reinvigorating Oakland Park and yeah. making it a, a city where people want to come and visit. Man. Yeah, it's and amazing. everything kind of expanded from there. That big dog big dog saloon was always there, but that was like a weird hole in the wall dive bar. Yeah, but that whole stretch between Big Dog and Funky Buddha, yeah. they revitalized all that. And that I've only been there once, that Funky Buddha, but I went there. You know, like not too long ago, like maybe two years ago, and I remember just sitting in there. I went in by myself and got a beer, and I was just like, "Man, this is like a whole fucking empire." And like, I was at the start of it, you know, early, early. Yeah, but it's an <laughs> empire because it's not just that brewery, but it's the beer that they serve at fucking everywhere. You can all yeah. over, bro. Yeah. Like I remember going to North Carolina and stuff, and they're like, "Hey, would you like to try our funky Buddha?" And I'm like, "I am funky Buddha." <laughs> like I started this whole shit. <laughs> But that was kind of a cool lesson, like, as a man, like, you got to learn how to, like, let go of that, like, ego and that feeling that you, like, own something. Because, yes, I was the first employee ever. Yes, I was there in the beginning and I helped build it up. But I don't really have, like, ownership, you know what I mean? Like, it's not like yeah, anybody yeah, owes me yeah, anything. Yeah. Those yeah. are just, like, feelings in my head, you know? Yeah, it's yeah. like the artist that was, it's like the guy that was around while an artist was recording and said and offered up a line. Yeah. Like, oh, say it. Oh, you should throw this in there. They're, they'll never get credit. It's not something, but they were there. Yeah. They, they were part of that experience. Yeah, and you got to learn from that. You got to learn how to, like, humble yourself, you know. Yeah. But for, I know for a while I felt, like, very weird about the Buddha. And yeah. then when they, when Ryan, like, fired me as the open mic host, then he hired this dude named Richie that was, like, my rival. Richie was a comedian that would come out to all my open mics and perform at my open mic. And he kind of sucked in the beginning. He was not only that funny. And then he got funnier and he found his niche and stuff. Yeah. But he was always trying to, like, usurp me, you know. He was always mm. trying to, like, find ways to, like, insert himself over me. And then they used him to replace me. And then he turned it into, like, I don't want to say bigger, but he, he, he increased the reach of the open mic because he made it more of, like, a party. Gotcha. You know, and it got kind of popular because it was now, like, a party. It was more, like, drinking yeah. and, like, in between performers, like, doing shots and, like, things like that. Yeah. And I remember I even went there once or twice after just to, like, perform. And I just remember feeling so weird, like, leaving there sometimes, like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know if I was, like, crying or whatever, but just feeling emotional. Yeah. Like, what do they do with it? You know, this is my creation. <laughs> 
But you know, now this many years later, I'm like, dude, nothing really matters that uh, much. It does. You know, and like if you want to like be a creator or something, have ownership over something, and like that's your shit, then cool. That's what art is for you now. You know what I mean? That's what it is. All that other shit, I was in my 20s and 30s, I was learning. Yeah. Now my art is my shit. So now if you copy my art, I might have a problem with it. <laughs> you know what, what I mean? That's where the problem lies. Yeah, yeah. Yo. All that other stuff is the past. But if somebody tries to copy my art and do like I'm doing, then I then I might have a problem with that. Shit. Yeah, we can't have that. <laughs> yeah. Dope. Man, that's an excellent story. I'm glad we got a chance to chop that up and, and, and get that in there too. Bonus content. Yes. First time for everything. Bruce Beats and Needs is the bonus edition. I'm glad for everybody. I appreciate everybody who stuck around. <laughs> after and got this wisdom this jewels yeah now you know when you people my people from south florida you're driving around and you see that funky buddha on oakland yeah dixie or just north of oakland on dixie you'd be like yo i know i know the early origins hell yeah educate and entertain you know yes what I'm saying? entertainment <laughs> yeah that's it that's what it is